We didn't do our, our history on Outlaw of Gore or some sort of title. Because Gore and Outlaw of Gore are really hard to sit through. It's not good Italian schlock. It's just Italian schlock. It's pretty bad, actually. I felt that it was very appropriate schlock to begin what I think this show is going to be like. <laughs> you don't know yet. You don't I know have- where... I- What's I have going a, on? A rough idea, just uh, of ten years of friendship with you. <laughs> you, your taste of what's amazing and hard to find and great isn't, you know, some lost Fellini film. It's a little spicy. Well, it's interesting you use the word "great" because I would not use that word to describe anything. What's getting ready to happen? Well, this week I will took some time and got invested in another TV show. I didn't, I never went into um, the ending of Bates Motel. I forgot all about that. It's all right. It was okay. I, I Spoilers ahead for Bates Motel. I preferred his brother would have just shot him in the back of the head and put him down like a, like a, like a rabid dog as opposed to how it ends with Norman being forcibly like committing suicide by his brother's hands type of situation. But overall it was, it was an all right series. It, it passed a week of my life. I liked the twist with Marion Crane. I enjoyed that. I didn't because I thought it was pointless. I didn't understand what the whole purple like. Oh, her character in the shower. Oh, she. We're gonna subvert your expectations, and no, she is not gonna get killed. We're killing a man this time. It's like, oh, okay. Well, her character essentially is completely pointless to what the story they're trying to tell is. But dismissing her would have just pissed off too many fans. I think. I think too many people. Oh, there's no Marion Crane. I mean, that was the big point. There's no Marion Crane. He didn't kill her just as his mom, and that's what he's supposed to do. Well, like, the the big problem I had with the Marion Crane thing, more than anything, was casting, because Rihanna is a terrible fucking actress. She was just god-awful in it. She, it looked like she did not care to be there at all. She may not have. Well, I understand what they were doing was they wanted to cast somebody who has some sort of face value outside of some acting. street cred with the hip kids well I mean it's it's the same thing as um, Drew Barrymore and Scream and Janet Lee in the original Psycho of like we're we're gonna throw in like a, a major star and but it's like that's fine but pick a better major star well I'm not Rihanna can't act she's a terrible actress I've not seen the Ocean's Eleven remake with all women um but Rihanna's in that, and I don't know. I you know I really can't talk can about her she's acting. Probably flat in it because she is flat as shit in Bates Motel. Well, I think that's almost kind of the point that Rihanna's a brand, and that's her whole thing that she's very blasé and flat. So you're hiring her to do that and just be Rihanna and be <laughs> whatever. I'm hiring an actress to look disinterested in anything she's involved in. Good, yeah, it's a good plan. I mean, it's, you know, but a lot of people are kind of branded that way. I mean, like Michael Bean, when you watch throughout his career, he's mostly been hired to kind of make a squinty face. Like, he doesn't <laughs> do much in anything. Like, The Abyss, he squints a lot. Aliens, he squints a lot. He mutters and he squints. Tombstone squints, mutters. It's his combo. Like, you know, we got to get somebody that can squint and mutter and is ruggedly handsome. Uh, Michael Bean, between 1981 and 1995, that was your guy. That's who you got to squint. Now you get fucking Benedict Cumberbatch. 
That's your squint guy. Just squints for a living. I didn't even get into my recently seen though because uh, I started a new series on oh, Netflix, yeah. which is not new. And like it, they did put a new season up like a month ago or so, and it's uh, Mind Hunters, the David Fincher serial killer. I have show. heard. Uh, so now I guess you will be the millionth person to tell me about Mind Hunters. Well, I'm not going to tell you it's the best thing since, you know, oh, good. serial killer sliced bread. All right, see, and this, ladies and gentlemen, is why I'm such a hesitant person, because so many people, you gotta, it's the greatest fucking thing since sliced bread, and then you, not that you're the king of pessimism, but you generally cut through the bullshit, and that's what you really don't like, is when things could have bullshit cut out of them, so now I'm even more pushed back from Mindhunter. Well, I just don't get generally excited over things just because they're things. I just look at them and judge them for what they are. And it's not a bad show by any stretch of the imagination. It's a fairly good show, especially if you're interested in serial killers. Some of the acting is pretty exceptional. The guy who plays um, Kemper, Edward Kemper, is, like, really good. Um, Is he tall? He's very tall. But, um... The, like the the lead actor in it, um, he's like he was in Glee and he's a Broadway actor, and I just don't like him in this role. It's weird how they've like his character is just, and I think it's supposed to be kind of weird. And he's supposed to be a bit of a weird guy, but everything is said in a very matter of fact way the entire time. It's almost written like a noir story, and I, I know that's on purpose, but his response to it is just. I don't know. He's definitely not a method actor. He's definitely playing a character in the show, and it's just, it makes me uncomfortable. And it could be designed for that, but if he's your lead, I need to be somewhat comfortable with him. I don't want to be off-put by his performance. But it's not totally his fault or anything like that. It's just, I I think they're going for a very strange tone overall for the show. But, um, you know, like stuff about serial killers it's interesting on that level a lot of the 70s style photography is fairly interesting um they use a lot of source music a lot of famous tracks so the budget's probably you're talking probably 150 million dollars and like six to 15 million just on music appropriation for the series but overall it's a good i think you would enjoy it i think you'd probably be very critical of it um just be critical of everything well, like one of the things that's weird is it's it's based on true story of the guys who created the profile unit for the FBI, the serial killer profile unit, which is cool, but you're telling a fictionalized story, a fictionalized version of that story. So for me personally, if you're going to tell, like do a movie or a TV show based on a true story, I want it to be as truthful as possible. I don't want you to over-dramatize certain things that didn't happen just for the fact of having drama or character development in the show. I'm just, I would prefer to just stick to the facts for the most part, but that's not what a lot of people are interested in, and I think that's where you will probably get a little bit off track with it of just well, that didn't happen, and that didn't happen like that, and like Charles Manson didn't say that in this interview and that sort of thing. Cause it's more like a lot of the stuff is more of amalgamation of different interviews by different people. It's that kind of thing. So it's just not a hundred. Yeah, they've tried to, fit as, tried to fit as much possible into a, you know, hour long episode or however long it is. You got to well, yeah, change things I mean, around. Well, like Charles Manson is, they do an interview with him and I've seen tons of Manson footage over the years. And a lot of, the things says in that interview, 
are from pulled from several different interviews. It's not like, and preferably for me, if I was writing the show, I would want the exact interview that this guy did in whatever 1980 or whenever he actually met Manson and like no give me the actual facts of the situation and not you creating a character but they do do Manson justice overall for the most part they don't do like well he was a he's a murderer and blah like they really get into the facts of the Manson case and who no Bugliosi bullshit I mean, they get into different ideas. It's not, yeah, it's not just specifically what he was a crazy cult leader and he did it all. It's now they bring Manson down from mostly who he was. I mean, we uh, disagree, but I mean, generally, we one day will. We did it many, many years ago, but we'll have to do Van Bever's Manson family one day, just as a good excuse for us to talk some some Charlie Manson because there's a time and a place to really get deep into uh, the Manson family and. I don't think this episode is, but man, it's a diving board to a whole new world of theories. And between you and I personally, I mean, we spent a lot of time with old Uncle Charlie, so we could talk for hours. But, Hank, I would suggest that you you will hate the first episode because it has nothing to do with anything. It's all setting up characters and well, shit. Well, I mean, but, okay, I'll just throw this out there and say with what you've been talking about, there's a... Spoilers, people. There's a, a movie out in theaters by Quentin Tarantino, his, his new fairy tale, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that completely and absolutely disregard some major facts of reality and all i'm gonna say without even reviewing it or bothering or going into bullshit is i enjoyed what i saw that i liked it you know what's actually interesting the guy who played manson in uh, once upon a time in hollywood same one in yeah it's the same exact actor i, 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 I saw something <laughs> about weird. that but i have actually because uh, i just recently saw the new tarantino i've avoided Anything I've, you know, put the little block app you can get on your phone that nothing, once upon a time in Hollywood, will pop up. And so I've seen that Mindhunter thing briefly and just, no, 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 because I wanted to. All he does I was a pretty told, good job. He doesn't okay Charlie. He doesn't have the voice down at all, but he looks like a, a good amount about Charlie. He's got a lot of his body language down and a lot of his mannerisms. Um, but, yeah, he does an admirable job, I think, personally. How was he in um, the Tarantino film? Uh, it's funny. Uh, all I'll really say on the note of that movie is what I was told is go see it if it's not been ruined for you, if you don't know what happens. The scene with Manson, if you're going in it for that, is not even three seconds. He shows up at the house. He's looking for Dennis Wilson, and Jay tells him that they've moved, and that's it. Okay, well, I guess you don't get much of a performance. Yeah, <laughs> it's not about Charles Manson at all. So if you're going into this movie thinking it's going to be some hip thing, and it's funny, the underground horror guys have been raving and bitching about how it's going to rip off Jim Van Beber. I kind of thought he was gonna. I really thought this was going to be, you know, him really pulling and doing like a horror type thing. Not at all. It, it has little to do with horror. It's very baffling that people keep bringing up, like, he should definitely direct a horror movie now. Eh, it's, it's a Tarantino movie. It's cool. It's whatever. It's the first it's Tarantino movie. jerking off about the 1970s. That's specifically what it is. I've not seen a Tarantino movie since Kill Bill Volume 2. Uh, I'm generally judgmental of the guy, and uh, it's a brand new movie. I don't. I, there's no point in bitching about it. I enjoyed it. To me personally, I, it 
just go see it. Don't go see it. It might hit your radar. It might be like Hateful Eight remains for me, something I might one day possibly see. Unless we directly, unless you come up with some shit like the Suspiria show that's like, well, the Hateful Eight is actually fucking invaders from Mars or something. I don't know if I'm going to no. get to. No. Getting to it's see the it. thing. It's the thing. Well, that's, that's pretty. What hateful Eight is. That's what I think is pretty blatant from what I've read. I just, uh, you know, I you like certain styles, you watch certain things. He's all right. It's a good movie. It's cool. Brad Pitt's great. If you like Brad Pitt, he's fucking. He does it. He's he's kidding. Don't he does the thing. Praise the machine. If you want to see Brad Pitt do his thing, he does it. He, it's just him mostly. All right. Well. Mine Hunters, I would say try it. I don't, but do you even have Netflix anymore? You know, I swear to God, I canceled it. I, knock on wood here, because I'll probably fuck myself. But every time I go to watch something, it works. So <laughs> Some, something's been happening. Well, check it out, and I'm sure you'll watch a few episodes and then get back to me and tell me, well, it's, all this stuff is different. It's changed from what it is. I'm like, yeah, no, sorry. I don't know. I think you might underestimate me, but at the same time, I can see why. You're very pedantic about facts, Hank. Do, do not lie about that. Sometimes, but, like, sometimes I just don't. I mean, I, I don't want to keep referencing the new movie, but they're just, I don't know, it's didn't bother me that much in the, in, the, in the situation at hand. So I'm using that as this frame of reference that things will be different or taken differently. So, I mean, I'm mostly picky about Manson. I think that's the one that I might need to avoid and not do first. That and well, we, let's, it's a sequence television show, and that doesn't come until season two. So you can't just piecemeal them like, and watch random episodes. You kind of have to watch the entire story. Yeah, so I'll have some time. The whole to, narrative. I'll be able to adjust to the Oh, trip. you're not going to have much time, my friend, in the next 24 hours. You won't have much time at all. I can maybe watch it next Thursday, the 8th. Oh, possibly. That's, because I think it's going to be the 8th. We've got a little experiment we're going to run. In terror? Experiment. No, not in terror. That's monkey shines. That's something completely different. Oh, there's experiment in terror, though. You ever seen that? It's a good one. This is about punishing Hank. This I don't know why. Serious sadist shit on my end. Because, Hank, because the people want to see you bleed. The people really want to see you in pain. Uh, we've had so many comments about, Hank doesn't get angry anymore. He just wants to talk about movies. Well, fuck that. I'm a docile guy. Angry. We're going to sandbag the shit out of him this week, and I'm going to make him watch six movies in a 24-hour period that are absolutely going to crush his fucking soul. Things that I have previously seen, things that I've I've designed this experiment specifically to hurt you. I'm gonna get hopped up on goofballs. You think that'll help? <laughs> I don't <laughs> think that's gonna help at all. You don't think that'll help me? Why do you wanna? I, I don't. Everyone wants to hurt me. Nobody likes me. I don't understand that. Everyone gets so uppity. You know, you, you gotta yell at him. You, you haven't called him a cocksucker in years. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, there's not been a lot of cocksuckery. I mean, you're wrong about which Friday the 13th movie is the best, but that's fine. You're allowed to be wrong. This is fucking America. I was never wrong in any of those debates. Uh, well, you were wrong in the Fright Night debate. You were definitely wrong in the Arnold Schwarzenegger one. And um, how many people voted for you, Hank? One. 
How do you vote for me? Zero. So that's a what a ratio to win by. Well, it's because I have a very like pivotal argument. You know, Did people you vote listen. For yourself, Hank. No, I didn't. Uh, Chance voted for me on all of them. Our oh, dear friend Chance, the fucking dick. <laughs> I knew it. I knew uh, he was padding the results. I think we've referenced him before, but Chance is—he's uh, got the best Twitter profile of all time. He is a poker for profit enthusiast from Kentucky. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a fancy way of putting things, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how I've known this gentleman for the last decade while we've done this show. Uh, poker for profit enthusiast that always retweets us. Thanks, Chance. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the, the nitty fucking gritty of this. So you're I guess to watch these movies. Yeah, and well, you're gonna we're going to watch them back to back. No, what we're going to do is, is Alexander Nash is going to explain or tell me what this movie is, and I'm going to make probably a wrong estimation of what, if I'm going to like it, what it might be about, if it's going to be cool, and then, you know, I'll just slam it out and watch it, because I don't have a social life, I don't do anything, and um, they're probably all on YouTube, so fuck it. Uh, absolutely all of these are on YouTube because yeah. it's the greatest source ever for garbage and shit that never left VHS. So I'm definitely going to get hopped up on goofballs and I uh, go climb a tree and watch this on my phone just to piss off David Lynch. Oh, it's going to help. That's about the only thing that's going to help because I am requiring you to watch them back to back. It's going to take probably about 10 to 11 hours, but that's what you have to do. You have to continually make it through all of these films. Take a night, Hank. That's about 15 minutes, and uh, we'll be good. And no cheating, no fast-forwarding, no watching them on double speed. But you've not given me, I don't know the list, so if I could have cheated, I would have. Trust me. (laughs) To make this, to make anything easier. And I've never cheated on any previous show, like The King of the Basements, never once cheated, but I... (sighs) No cheating, bitch. You know, I make it through. Because sometimes I have like an idea. Like when when we pick the shows, generally, it used to be I would pick three, Alexander Nash would pick three, and uh, we shuffle them up. And a lot of the times you you know, I'm familiar with, I I know your body of work, but every now and again, like the spring break special, you, you just fucked me. Like every single, that whole thing. Yeah. The entire list was just, I mean, I think I threw down like two or three picks after just begrudgingly sitting through Tim Robbins and, and just so many movies. No, with these movies, it's, um, there's no fucking around. There's no, I wonder if Hank, would enjoy this. I don't know if Hank will enjoy talking about this. I usually discuss picks with you like, hey, do you want to talk about this? you want to talk about this? You don't have a choice. You have to sit down and watch these, and you have to talk about these movies, no matter what. No matter what they are. No We're going to get a, a stunt Hank, I think, maybe. Hank Dude, five? You, uh, well, it'd be like Hank four and a half because it's stunt Hank, because he only does half the job. Okay. He's just going to sit in this corner and smoke and watch the movies so my lungs can take a break and maybe I can go out. I've not been outside in days, but... So two children stacked on top of each other in in a raincoat. That's what they're saying. That are little people. I mean, I think we could actually hire two little people and children. It's frowned upon. Not Mickey from Seinfeld. He's busy doing shark movies for the Sci-Fi Channel. He's getting work, though. He's putting soup in his little children's mouth. Hey, that's that's cruel. Well, they're children. They're little. I mean, oh, oh 
oh, now I'm the asshole? Yeah, I mean, the asshole? you were judging what I was saying. I just met in frame of reference that they're under four feet tall because they're prepubescent. All right, fuck all this pleasantry shit. <laughs> okay, uh, here comes the pain. All right, and again, these can all be found on YouTube. Play along, folks. Stop the show when we do, and then you try to watch them all in 12 hours and tell me what you think. Yeah, we're going right. to do this as a part one, part two thing, so it's new. We, we fielded your complaints that the new Death by DVD isn't... It's not like it's boring or anything, but... I don't know. So I, I guess you just want us to argue. So we'll, I, what's going to be fucking surprising to me is I'll, what if I like it? You know, there's a chance. I'm going to end up liking all of them. And let me say, let me preface this and say, I don't like all of these movies. Some of these movies are fucking crap. But I watch them now. You're going to have to watch them. All of you. All of you. Join us. All right. So first on the list, we're going a pre-Empire Pictures Charles Band film, The Day the Time Ended, 1980. The Day Time Ended. You, you writing this down? You got a pen? I want to say that there's a Mitchum in this movie, maybe? Uh, there possibly is a Mitchum in this film. Uh, somebody that's in the, the Mitchum family, I guess it would be cheating to open an IMDb window. But, uh, you cannot write them down, asshole. We'll, we'll jot it down. You're on camera. I can see you actually get a pen. <laughs> I, I, I got it. It's up. It's there. All right. There will be writing sounds, I think. The daytime ended 1980. The Party Animal, 1982. Attack of the Beast Creatures, 1985. That sounds good. I like that sounding. She, 1984. She, it's got Sandal Bergman in it. You know, it's great. With a woman named Sandal, you know, it's got got a little nudity. I like Sandal. She was in uh, one of the Conan the Barbarian movies. I don't know if it was Destroyer or Conan the Barbarian. The first one is the Barbarian. She's in Conan the Barbarian. That's specifically why she got cast in She as well, so if that tells you anything. Sometimes you do your job. We have. Star Crystal from 1986. Star Crystal sounds alluring. I think I'm going to like Star Crystal. It could be alluring or it could mean it is a Star Wars ripoff film because it's about the right time period. I was hoping for more of an alien ripoff, so now I'm sad. It could be an alien ripoff as well. We don't know. It could we don't be know both. this information. A Star Wars alien ripoff wouldn't be bad. I mean, I could take that. Like maybe Chewbacca's on a rogue on the Millennium Falcon. He's just hiding in the shadows waiting to kill people. I like the little green fella, Yoda, Frank Oz. He always makes me laugh. I enjoy Frank Oz. He, like Miss Piggy as a Jedi Master sounds like an interesting concept. Yeah, it makes Our me laugh. Last film, a movie called Underworld slash Transmutations from 1986. That's a Transmutations. All right, so there's a, a 50-50 chance with that, though, because... Clive Barker for okay. Did, did Clive Barker direct it? No, he uh, wrote a script. And what, let me tell you, Clive Barker not a fan of this film. What year did it come out? 1986. That's all right. That's Rawhead Rex time. That, so there's a good chance that Same this time. could be. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Well, so, Same director. 
Oh, you could have gotten my hopes up and said that you lied and said it was Clive Barker, but I guess... No, these are the two movies that were made of his work when he decided, I've got to direct my own film, and he made Hellraiser, not a year later. So I'm going to have to get hopped up on a lot of goofballs and run through this. A handful of goofballs. I have a bottle full. I have a lot of goofballs. I think we're going to be all right. Uh, those are Oxycontin. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think you may have just incriminated yourself. Oh, that's, that's fine. I got them from this doctor in Florida. He uh, does stuff with that radio host, that conservative guy. Well, wait a minute. You're not allowed to do goofballs because you've got to pay attention. You can't drift off. You I can't get hopped. Well, I, I'm getting hopped up on them. That's the opposite of down low on them, you know? Well, I don't know. With an opiate like that, you're probably going to pass out pretty early into a 12-hour stretch with this shit. What are your thoughts on speedballing? You know, like Brent Milan from The Grateful Dead? I am all for speeding for this marathon. I am all for you doing all kinds of speed. So I can in- induce myself into a medical coma, but I can't take any goofballs, I see. You know, let that lizard brain work for you. So do you have some movies, Hank? I've, I've got this sad list. Some of these look interesting, though. I mean, we one of them sounds like we're going to go back in time. I like that. That sounds like a good idea. That could be fun. It's pre-Charles Band, you said, or pre-Empire Charles Band. So, I mean, is, I'm hoping for a puppet. I'm hoping for some... about Laser Blast era of Charles Band. So maybe some sort of lizard man or... uh, 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 Maybe a lizard. I'm hoping for a puppet. If they go back in time, I'm really hoping for dinosaurs. I am not guaranteeing puppets in this film. This is pre-Ghoulies Charles Band, but it does have little things in it. So he does have that working for him because he always has to have something little. Are there dinosaurs? I don't know how to answer that question. Okay, uh, I'll move on. And Star Crystal? I guess I don't know. Are there crystals? Oh, never mind. I don't have any questions for Star Crystal. <laughs> uh, Underworld? Is it about, like... It is not about vampires and werewolves waging a war and... I was gonna... recently. I was gonna go with more or less as, like, is it about something that happens under London? Because it's Clive Barker. It does. Yeah, it like... It does. I was thinking, like, Subways or, like, that uh, Donald Pleasance movie. Mind the doors? That would be, uh... Oh, shit. Well, I can't remember I that. Can't I can't remember meat. I can remember that. I can't remember it. It's a uh, death, death line. Death I kept wanting to say death train, for Christ's sake. Death line. Uh, it was on Shudder recently with an alternate title, and it might have been The Lift. I'm not sure, but... Nah, the, the, the Lift is a, a amicus movie. Killer elevator movie by Dick Moss. <laughs> Well, there's the Amicus movie, Vault of Terror, The Lift. Oh, that's that's well, what do you? The Lift is a, a killer elevator movie. It has nothing to do with Amicus or anything else. Vault of Horror is a Tales from the Crypt anthology film. Yeah, but there's the one that they're in the elevator. But that, but, but, but what the fuck is it gonna do with anything? It's a lift. Shut the fuck up. That's what they call it in the UK. Yes, I, I'm proud that you know your different terminology for different countries. Well, I thought America. we were, you know, like like talking, you know, because we, I mean, are we, so how, I guess I have you to gonna stop. You're going to get on the tube. Well, I can, I'm going to get on the, I'm going to watch the telly now for oh, six to 12 yeah. hours. Yeah. It's funny, uh, you know, because I'm a hired actor to play Hank. I am actually British, but 
not allowed to break character, so I, I have to continue. Hell of a convincing voice. accent. Yeah, it's I've studied, you know. I went to Juilliard, believe it yes, or not. Yes, um, he's really from um, Breckingshire, Ham, for sure. Um, but he's learned to do a typical poor white trash accent. I'm so surprised he actually remembered where I was truly from. That means a lot to me. It's method acting for the most part. It's it's difficult, but I believe in Death by DVD. And for Death by DVD, I'm about to go watch some... This doesn't sound... You know, I was expecting... It doesn't it, sound bad, does it? it no, it doesn't. It, none of these sound that bad. Underworld, I think, sounds the most promising because this is a bad time error for Clive Barker. And I, I know there's a movie that he has said made him never want to make movies again. And... I didn't know it was this. But yes, more specifically this one. Okay. He did not like this one. But he's very moody. So, I mean, it could be really good. And he just doesn't like the portrayal of his weird S&M freaks in this one. Because I'm assuming there's going to be sex freaks. I'm not commenting until afterwards. All right. Well. You ready to do this? You ready to reconvene in a day? Yeah, I... Your 12-hour stint through hell? I can't say the bottle's empty or the ashtray's full because I just started drinking and smoking. So I guess I have to stop, and we'll come back, and we'll leave it where we're at. So do we, should you do words of wisdom this early? Good luck. Do you have something creepy and horrific to say? I would, I would never tell you good luck. No, do your fucking work, bitch. Do the Watch candy man voice? An outro, perhaps? Yeah, okay. Well, I guess we'll be back in a flash. Death by DVD will be back after a word from our sponsor. What's for breakfast? Burials! The Beer Cereal! The only breakfast food with a 12.5 alcohol content. Burials! Get trashed for breakfast! Get yours today! Burial, not applicable for sale in Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Maine, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, Nebraska, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York State, North Dakota, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, South Dakota, Vermont, and Wisconsin. Burials, a death by DVD product. Please abuse substances responsibly. Fifteen minutes later. And we're back. That was the longest 15 minutes of my life. <laughs> 15 minutes? 15 minutes, huh? Time doesn't exist so. to me. It's... Did you watch all this shit? Did you watch it? You had homework. I did. I, I watched You didn't give me an order, so I just watched it. Oh, there's no order. There was no way to plan this little festival out to where you're like, no, it's in order of pain. It's all just pain. I've got all of it tucked under my belt. I can't say that I'm neither happy or unhappy. I just kind of feel not like a lobotomy, but I'm not really there anymore. It's been a day. 
Well, let me ask you this question. Did you end up enjoying any of these? Some of these are some spicy meatballs. I, I got some things to say about a couple of them. Uh, for the most part, I think this show is going to end up topsy-turvy for the audience because you want us to uh, really rattle some off. I liked almost everything. I made a very poor judgment call on one. <laughs> I don't know if you enjoyed everything because not all of these have enjoyable things. I guess that, that some of them all have the little quirks to them to make them interesting, but like an enjoyable cinematic experience they ain't see i would say for the most part five out of six i would want to see in theaters if i could get like a theatrical oh God, those are <laughs> terrible odds what do you mean five out of, well okay four how could you sit through some of these more than once four out of six two of them i don't think would be that great on the screen but i don't think any will matter if they were ever on a big screen because most of them are just meant to sell video copies and just sit on a shelf in the 80s. That was kind of the whole point. So I guess what we're going to do is now go through this list of four out of six movies I would see in a theater and pay $15 and get a soft pretzel and a large Coke and uh, enjoy myself with <laughs> and and review them and discuss the great quality of some of these. Yes, and, and the great qualities of them all. And this is where the audience, and I'll, I've said this before and I'll say it again, can it's proven to be fucking stupid because <laughs> oh, we just want it to be like the old times where you guys picked some, you know, crazy movies and you argued about it because Hank wanted to say weird things about Roddy McDowell. Well, I watched all six of these movies and I actually have something to say about all six of these movies. So suck my dick. I mean, I, I it's not even telling you to suck my dick. It's you, Radio Land. It's you. <laughs> So now that I've alienated the audience in no particular order, we are going to start with the movie from 1985. Although that time frame is fucking dubious. I would say that's a release date because all indications of what was presented on the screen appear to be more of like 1980, 81, 82, that era, not 85, but it's attack of the beast creatures. Hmm. I like this one. Why did you like this one? This, this was the worst ones. Initially on my I'd see in theater list, but unless it could get restored, you know, like a, a really nice 4K restoration because it's a little choppy, but it had heart. I mean, that's <laughs> what a heart. I appreciate when people, you know, come up with a story and they stay on whoa, board. Whoa, 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 whoa. Story? There's yeah. no story in this film. They get shipwrecked and beast creatures. That's the story. <laughs> it's well, the I mean, 1920s. Okay. And, yeah, and, for and, some well, let's reason, paint it's you a the picture. 1920s. Yeah. For well, some that, reason, even though everybody's haircut indicates it's 1980. Well, I can tell you exactly why it's the 1920s, because one person had a 1920s dress and they got to wear it. Because there's only one person in the entire movie that's dressed appropriately for the time period. And the language is very bizarre. I'm pretty sure everyone's from North Jersey. Uh, maybe North Carolina? I'm not sure. I'm not sure where this one was filmed, actually. Maybe uh, Connecticut. I mean, I'm going to definitely say that they have... Th there's some Yankees in this and They're supposed to be... Um, and like I think the North Atlantic, because they mentioned, did we shipwreck on Greenland? Well, nah, which is babe, funny. Somebody, close. 
Well, somebody else jokes later throughout the movie. Uh, are you sure we're not on a tropical island? Because it sure is hot, which I uh, assume yes, is the oak trees creatures. would indicate. It's a fucking tropical island. There's lots of ferns and oak trees, but it's very tropical. The beast creatures were my favorite part. They were very reminiscent of Black Devil Doll from Hell, the original movie, not the uh, Rotten Cotton movie. And the uh, little creature from the... Trilogy from, of Terror. Yeah, it's more reminiscent of the African Zuni doll from the last segment of Trilogy of Terror with Karen Black, and I would say that's that's direct, like um, inspiration for how they created the the puppets. Let's not split words that they're beast creatures. They're fucking little puppets, and as we said, they shipwreck on this island, and none of the people have any characters. They were just on a cruise ship, and they go to this island, and then all of a sudden little beast creatures attack them and they march through the woods but also there's water that you can't drink but there's also water you can drink there's two different types of water on the island yeah for some reason some of the water is acid and some of it ain't acid no rhyme no reason just an idea we had so we threw it in we wanted to have a guy's face melt in the movie so we did it and it was charming. I mean, I didn't think it was specifically unwatchable. I know this it's is one unwatchable. of those, I think this is one of those best of the worst movies by those guys. Uh, but I don't even know because they would actually have to have something to say about it. There is just not much to say about this movie because, as I said, they just keep marching through the woods and occasionally they have like these little motionless dolls taped to them and they pretend like they're being attacked. Well, that for the most, most part. It seems like somebody got their Italian family together for a weekend, and like there's even the drunk uncle character who's obnoxious and a dick throughout the entire movie, and then becomes rabid. That's the best part. We can't leave this out. He gets bitten by a beast creature, and then they put some Alka-Seltzer tabs in his mouth, and he runs around all fucking crazy, and then jumps into the acid water, and it was amazing. And, and then, the best part, this is why it's the best part, uh, like a fucking castle movie, it just turns into a skeleton that's smoking in the water. It's fucking awesome. Like in bad, um, especially regional horror films around the 60s, 70s, 80s, um, you can always tell what quality you're working with when they show a skeleton and it is bleached white and the um, the skull has been opened up because you can always see the little perforated perforated line to where the uh, the top of the skull cap comes off for the instructional skeleton that they've purchased to be in this film to represent an actual human. Well, you know what that means, though? It means they... They got it from a fucking India farm. Oh, skeleton I, I, farm I, in India. I would say it's probably a plastic skeleton. It's not even a, an, an actual human skeleton because you could get a skull intact. And- well, no, apparently uh, that story has some odd truth to it that Dan O'Bannon added it to the Return of the Living Dead script, the, you know, skeleton farm in India, perfect chompers, all that stuff, that he had noticed over the years that working. Oh, this is Toby Hooper. Well, Toby I'm, Hooper's the one who came up with the idea. I know, but I'm referencing that whole thing, that they had seen the, you know, receipts that all these skeletons had actually come from India over the course of, like, 20 years, and that it collectively became a joke, and they did it in Return of the Living Dead, and it kind of became a faux pas after that to mention it. Oh, Skeleton Farm, the the Toby Hooper, Dan O'Bannon movie that never was. It would have been fantastic. They breed them like... Kobe beef or something. I don't know. Toby was a nut job. I loved him. He was a hippie with a vision. 
the closest thing to an explanation for what the hell is happening in this film is they eventually, about an hour into them wandering through the fucking woods doing nothing but arguing. So I guess it's a little bit more like a modern movie where you just have a cast of dicks who just yell at each other to talk about pussy. It's like um, the Blair Witch. But, like, they come across all these little... I, I will commend them for the amount of little dolls that they did build. Because they had, like, maybe... Well, what's of- even more misleading is the opening credits, like, say that there's a mechanical operator. That you get this really cool feeling, like, there's going to be something sweet in this movie. Look at this FX stuff. That there's going to be a guy, and there's going to be monsters in a suit. So, it's... A nice lead in. I mean, they really did a valiant effort. They have little running arms. Did you notice that? Whenever the beast creatures, they do these little close up shots of them running. They got little yeah, they arms. Their arms like joggers or something. They look. It's adorable. Shit. And it's that that is a little adorable. But they, um, the people shipwreck come across this totem that all the little. Um, are they supposed to be like creatures? Or are they supposed to be well, puppets? Because they just look like puppets to me. But they're worshiping an idol. That's see, all. See, I you was know. very curious because I mean, they have these like functioning arms, and they look like they're you know human bodies, and then they have this giant twenty foot wooden structure. So I mean, what are they capable of? They got to have some sort of construction skills or tools or you know something. The beast creatures seem to be much more civilized than we give them credit to be. I think there's a whole underlying story of the uh, you know beast creatures. It's well, like gorillas in the mist. They do feel nudity shame as they're wearing a little, um, little togas and a little like uh, fur pelts. Is it nudity their shame? Puppet junk. I, I was, I'm assuming. Well, their I mean, culture doesn't appreciate nudity. I don't think it's so much that their culture doesn't appreciate nudity, but if you've ever run through the jungle nude, you might get uh, you know a thorn betwixt your legs, and a loincloth would you know come in between that, help you you know surf the funny side like Tarzan. Yeah, but I'm not so sure that there's, like, are they even supposed to be biological material or are they supposed to be little wooden dolls? Because that's what they look like. They don't even look like they bothered to put latex on them. They looked like the carbon out of wood and they were done. I mean, I think you gotta, you know, believe in the movie a little bit because they're worshipping the wooden idols, so they obviously, you know, have to be little creatures with construction skills and a civilization because if they have religion, they probably have taxes and courts and all sorts of other arbitrary things because that seems logical if they have religion. Yeah, they probably have bigotry. There's probably, like, little purple ones that they run around. They're like, hey, purple, get out. You can't drink from this water fountain. There's probably a whole world inside of the the beast creatures. (laughs) Yeah, um... I saw Beast Creatures 10, 15 years ago, maybe, and I was fairly wowed when I saw it of just how incompetent this movie is made, how incompetence acted, all of those things. That's a great terminology. It's a failure on all fronts. Incompetency is a great way to put it, because this is one of those situations that, you know, I watched it from opening to closing and felt better about my work. Like, I'm not, I'm not that bad of a painter, you know? I, my writing isn't that completely awful. I feel a little bit better. So it is motivational if you take it in that sense. If you're feeling very poorly about yourself, you can find Attack of the Beast Creatures from 1985 and really, you know, take that to heart. Feel better about yourself. You're better than Attack of the Beast Creatures. And I still liked it. Not only that, like, I mean... For me, I can appreciate that somebody was able to get together and spend the time and energy to craft something that physically came out on media and was available to the public in this way. Um, But I also know that that's a complete and utter shill because just like now with streaming services and the need to have so much content and so many places at different times, that the video 
store days were about the same. People would buy and accept anything, especially if you had a flashy cover for it. And that's specifically what this is. That's the only reason this movie got any. Well, play, yeah, you got to look at they Netflix. needed product. Netflix and even Amazon, you don't even get a full paragraph for the description of the movie. You get a flashy trailer that, if you continue watching, just starts the movie. Like, oh, you're gonna you watch the trailer for longer than ten seconds. Guess you're in now. So I hate that. But it's like the pressure at a video store at closing. Like, just fucking get something. So you're gonna grab the titles that look cool, the coolest on the box. You're just applying the same methods to a different audience. I 100 percent would have rented Attack of the Beast Creatures. This was on my initial list of movies I'd see in a theater, but I'm going to strike it. I don't know if I could do this one in the theater. Maybe if they did, like, a restoration and did some digital work on the Beast Creatures and, like, had Mickey Rourke play them, that'd be cool. What's probably the most confusing thing to me about it is it seems so old to be a 1980s film. This seems more like a 1960s exploitation film, you know, made in Florida or something like that, maybe a Larry Buchanan film. Somebody who, like, wants to make a movie, doesn't have the resources, then cranks out, like, a, like a really B picture for the drive-in scene. And we're past the drive-in scene at this point. I, that's what's so weird about it yeah, to me. 1985 is very past any marketable point for something like Attack of the Beast Creatures. Well, the director never really made anything else, and this is his one effort, and it's just, it's so old-fashioned for the era that it came out in. Um, he has one other body of work, and it's about Agatha Christie. <laughs> that's that's a bit of stretch, but I guess tuxedos are in both, so uh, that's how they're comparable. It's recent, too. It's not like he did it in 1987, a couple years later. it's it's It came out recently. A.K.A. we filmed a local theater play. Yeah, it's about a woman that plays Agatha Christie at a local theater her whole life and goes crazy, is the synopsis I read. <laughs> and that's a complete and utter guess. Yeah, your sarcasm nailed it directly home, but a guy's name's Michael Stanley. Gotta give him credit that at least, hey, some two douchebags on a podcast are talking about your movie. So yeah, somebody fucking saw it. That's the point, right? Somebody saw it. I will give him the credit that someone bought his grift, that he was able to probably turn a, like a small little profit off of his efforts of making this total garbage film. I won't even lie to you. I I actually liked it. I enjoyed watching the movie, and 100% my initial statement I even said to you is it had heart. It it fucking tried. I mean, somebody wrote this idea. Try is a stretch. I don't well, know about that. To me, sometimes I'm enamored with the concept that somebody writes something and they they bring it to the table and they get somebody that's going to shoot it and somebody that holds a boom and they get multiple actors and they get them all out to some crazy location and nobody questions what's going on no matter how fucking stupid it is or how awful it is that like 30 40 people all got together and made attack of the beast creatures it wasn't just one guy you know it was a whole fucking group of people the credits go on there's multiple people given credit for as uh, special effects and mechanical operators and soundtrack and original soundtrack so like 45 people all 100% believed in in Attack of the Beast Creatures and supported Attack of the I like that I like to think I don't know about believed either Uh, maybe like bullied into or gal help you out buddy what more along those lines what type of like dirt could somebody have on you to be like if you don't do Attack of the Beast Creatures I'm gonna ruin your life like you gotta do this for me (laughs) like I really 
dirt as much as it would be like, you know, just if you asked me to help you with a project that I fully didn't have faith in, I would help you because you're my friend. I, I might I mention that. Not I the feel, best idea, Hank, but I would still help you. I feel if I presented, if I came to you halfway through making Attack of the Beast Creatures and was like, I want you to see what I shot, and then I want you to help me finish the rest of the movie, you'd be like, fuck no. No, I'm not. I have no, nothing. No, 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 no. That's not true. Because I would say, Hank, this is shit. What you've done is shit. But I will help you. I will get you out of the fix you've put yourself in and the money you've spent on this. We will try to do something with it. I think we should make a movie. <laughs> Attack of Beast Creatures 2? I, well, I, that could be. That was my first idea. But since you came up with it, we'll give you co-writing credit. Uh, we'll get Charles Bann involved because it has, uh, it has puppets involved, so he'll jump at the chance. We could do our freaked musical, finally. I mean, they're doing the new Bill and Ted. They're, we could get a hold of these people. We could do a freaked musical. Uh, I'll get you a dog boy by next Tuesday. I mean, it's not hard. <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of Charles Bann, though, we could now move on to our next film from 1980, which is The Day Time Ended. And the title is very misleading. It's yeah. rough, too. This one's probably one of my roughest ones on the list, personally. I did enjoy the fact that it's by a little guy named John Bud Cardos. Who oh. did a little, <laughs> yeah, a little gym called Gore, too. I liked that. He also did Kingdom of the Spiders, so the guy can do somewhat credible work. You really like to overestimate. You're calling Kingdom of the Spiders credible. It's more credible than me because it actually got played in a theater. I mean, people bought tickets to go see that movie. That it's just bottom for Shatner. Yeah, it was at a drive-in. I mean, it had Shatner in it. That's something, isn't it? Not really. I could probably get Shatner to be on this show for fifty bucks. Really? Uh, why haven't we then? I mean, uh, I'm not prepared for the uh, the hand job portion of that exchange, though. Oh, or the so murdering old. his wife part of the exchange. Yeah, I would definitely make some jokes about that time William Shatner murdered his wife. You should Google that, audience. <laughs> That's something. That's you an old poll. Somebody said to me the other day, like, you guys should do a true crime episode. And I've I've said I've not even mentioned it to you because I've just been baffled. Like, have you listened to Death by DVD maybe once or even like a couple minutes? Like, just turn on an episode and click like thirty minutes. Listen for a couple minutes. Like, you ever heard? <laughs> I mean, we did read, we did like three whole episodes, 30 minutes apiece of you reading a fucking book. <laughs> but that's an awesome book. That's a crime novel. I don't get it. by George Kennedy. I don't get the whole true crime thing. I mean, what, do you want us to come on the show and talk about Ted Bundy? I mean, we'll do a Manson episode, but it'll be a Jim Van Bever movie. We can do a Ted Bundy episode, but it's got to be a Ted Bundy movie. This is not like lore or some other podcast where we want to get into the specifics of facts. You don't come to this show for fucking facts. If you do, you're going to be painfully mistaken. I'm not an amateur detective. I am a fucking film historian and a film reviewer. I mean, we're critics. That's what we fucking do and what we have done for 10 years. So I don't, you know, I don't know where serial killing fits into that, but we're addressing, this is our Festivus episode pretty much, because we're addressing our errors with the, or we're airing our grievances with the I audience. Got a lot of problems with you. Yeah, I love you people. You, you guys want us to yell at each other more. I enjoyed the last movie. The day time ended. We'll get back into this. Sucks. Well, I was right. It did have a Mitchum in it. It's got 
one of them. I think Christopher Mitchum was in it. One of the three Mitchum, Robert Mitchum's children is who I'm referencing. That's a, a pool. Nobody knows what a Mitchum is anymore. What do you mean? The deodorant? What's a Mitchum? No, yeah, Robert fucking Mitchum from Night of the Hunters is who I'm referencing. His children, one of his children's, is in this movie. It's not so much bad as, for one, the title and the poster for this movie what, are they're both, epic. Yeah, they're they really sweet. Like, the day the time ended, like, okay, this, I mean, even as, like, a children's movie, because this is kind of uh, what really, I didn't, I took uh, advantage of your wording. You specifically said that this was a pre-Empire movie, and you said Charles Band, so I'm thinking, you know, horror, maybe a little bit more adult-themed, but Empire, and definitely pre-Empire, was much safer, and this is a very safe movie, it's fucking dry. It's just like eating saltines for t- fucking 90 minutes. And then finally, at the end, everything you wanted to happen happens, and they ride off into the sunset. Well, like, the story in itself doesn't have any form or structure. Shit just happens, because the plot of this is some old dude has moved his family out to a weird ranch that has... It's pyramid-shaped buildings in like New Mexico, and um, it looks like like something Hodorowski would put in a movie. It's a very odd visual for this. Like, I, I guess it's set. It's a, it's definitely Frank Lloyd wrong. <laughs> Architecture joke. Look it up. Um, but um. His granddaughter just come out to his ranch to play with the horses. His daughter, uh, the the girl's mother, her um, her husband is Chris Mitchum, who's also his scientist buddy. Um, but they and also they're very have like a weather or something, or or is it astronauts? I'm not. I can't remember what they did. I, <laughs> by all means, I cannot remember what kind of scientists they're supposed to be. Well, they also have some like 14 year old pumpkin pie haircutted little freak kid running around. <laughs> so it's his other son. Yeah, he the has age, a daughter and a son. The age difference, I guess, is is a little off putting between them because I couldn't understand what who that character was until finally, like 30 minutes into the movie, he's, he addresses somebody as dead. I'm like, oh, that's who you are. I thought that you were like a ranch change of life baby. That's who he was. Oh, that's sweet. Um, I was expecting somebody to die the entire time. I wanted some dinosaurs. I got something. I wouldn't call them dinosaurs. <laughs> I, I don't know what the hell they're supposed to be. They reminded me of the Gorgonites from Small Soldiers. Mm, okay, okay, I get that. I can understand. I can dig that reference. Uh, I like claymation. I mean, it was. It, it could have been longer. I would have liked more random because they came out of nowhere. They don't explain what's going on, and nobody has a reaction. It's like, well, there's some weird fucking monsters, and then suddenly the dad is like, well, you know what this is? It's a time warp. It's a good old time space warp. We're in a time space warp, everybody, and like everyone him. just takes it like, oh shit! I didn't think we were in a time space warp, but it makes sense, Grandpa. Well, the, the whole thing seems to be an excuse for um, Charles Band's old right hand man, David Allen, to do some claymation. Like it's almost like he had claymation footage sitting around. Oh, let's make a movie to wrap around these. Literally, why Winter Beast was made. Like yeah, I got a little test scenes you did. I got a claymation guy. Fuck it, I don't want to waste this. <laughs> but like the the plot is this girl, this little girl finds like an Aztec pyramid 
that glows green after a um, collection of four supernovas or some crazy shit that happened. And uh, it shrinks to the size that can fit in the palm of her hand. And then little batteries, not included spaceships, fly around. And one of them's good and one of them's evil. There's a dancing little claymation alien. And just all these little different stop motion things. And you have. But it's no all very nonsensical. On. No, yeah. it's all nonsensical. You have no clue what the fuck's going on until you get to that part towards the very end, like the last. 15 minutes where he goes outside and there's a bunch of like spaceships and airplanes and all this like graveyard of vehicles and he goes well I think we got unstuck in time we've been in a time warp this whole time I wasn't even too hopped up on goofballs for this and I was having a hard time until they finally it's hard to follow man it really is and that's probably the biggest flaw they give you a lot of like quick jump editing and a lot of just random scenes and then it just slaps you right at the end that they've paid some money to do I guess painting backdrops and then it's a really cool meetup between Chris Mitchum and the little girl and they ride off into the sunset well I mean like to get a little deeper into this like um Chris Mitchum is at work and everybody else is at the ranch while they're getting terrorized he tries to make it back to the ranch because there's a crazy electrical storm and he can never make it and he doesn't ever make it. And randomly, characters who are on this ranch slowly kind of start disappearing. We don't know where they've gone. And then, they well, I mean, it's alluded to that they're lost in time. Like, oh yeah. But they permanently, like, the people who are left end up on some kind of other planet or some kind of other time period. And all their relatives that were missing are just there. They're, yeah, they like, just show up. There. They just show up and go, "Hey, hey, guys, it's all fixed." It's like, what? There's not even any drama. People disappeared. No, they just showed up again. Whatever. But at the very beginning of the movie, they have this voiceover explaining pretty much like a brief idea of quantum physics and how reality and time isn't really important and you can jump through it all. A little bit of quantum leap. And then at the end of the movie, it's they all jump to the exact same place, but they all left the house at absolutely different times. And then we're in different, like one person was in the barn, two people left the house, one got sucked off the porch into the time war or whatever off the porch sucked right off the porch it oh, got, okay different yeah, meaning it was filthy it was sticky but they all ended up in the exact same time period and it was happy though you know it was a happy family ending everybody and there's a really great quote right at the well what are we gonna do well, i guess we're just gonna survive <laughs> i'd say this is like Charles Band, especially at this time period, was just really trying to make it, and he'd had his hand in some some horror-type films at this point, but he was also focusing a lot on children's films, which he did later in the 90s with Moonbeam Entertainment. And it kind of feels a lot like those Moonbeam movies where there a lot of those were technically kind of knockoffs of things that were going on, like pre-hysteria was kind of a, an answer to Jurassic Park. And how nonsensical all those movies are, it's just as nonsensical, if, if not worse, because it's just no plot is ever really established. It's just people like random shit happening to him on this ranch. And we don't know what to do. And we don't know what the hell's going on. But everything's glowing green. I can tell you that. This and is the definition the of thing. I mean, this is the definition of just trying to sell a product here that, you know, we, we're going to do a PG kind of kids movie. We're going to put it out. We got a somewhat notable person that looks maybe like his dad a little bit, and we're just going to do it. And they did it. 
and they sold it, but it disappeared for years. I mean, I've never actually seen this movie commercially available until I think Mill Creek maybe put it out on like one of their sci-fi. I I really for a dollar sets. I don't think it was actually released in the United States. I think it got a UK release, and that was it in like 1980. Yeah, even Charles Band couldn't sell this fucking turd. I would say though, this remains on my list of one of the movies I'd see in theaters. I would sit through oh. this on the big screen. Oh. Painful. No way would I have said I will never see this movie again. And that is a sad statement to say because I, you know, I have multiple rewatches of certain things. I will never see the daytime ended again in my life. I will die and never revisit it, just like Lawnmower Man. I will probably show two or three people this. You're a fool, Hank. I will sit through this two or three more times and I will wax on and wax off. To what? What are you waxing onto? Because there's nothing to see in this movie. I don't know. I like claymation. It's all right. Shit, this it barely is, has any dialogue. This is a goofball type of movie. You know, you got to get hopped up a little. Cool. Hopped up. Rev your engine. Really get into it. <laughs> Shake the pill bottle again, you know. Woo, let the people know. Yeah, so I would consider this one to be another more painful on the list, personally, because for me, it's not even so much of... Well, this is where, like, things start getting really fucky because I'm on to movie two, and it's like, oh, this is where, you know, I'm going to get heated, and I hate this, and and I kind of liked it. Kind of like the first movie, too. Little beast creatures, they're all right. Little cute fellas, little red guys. I can take it. Well, you've not hit me yet. You know, I've not gotten really anywhere because I like these. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll try Something's to wrong with me. Bring some, I don't know. And I will bring pain in the form of a movie that literally makes no sense. And it makes no sense because I don't think anyone involved had any idea what the fuck they were making and what proper th- property that they had. Um, I'm talking about 1984, a movie called She. And she was originally a novel from the 1800s written by some British dude who, um, and it was uh, uh, like a commentary on like white imperialism. Yeah, it's about UK white imperialism in South Africa. That is the context of what this is based on. And that is not what they ended up with, with this finished product, because it makes no sense. H. Ryder Haggard is more infamously known as the creator of the Alan Quartermain character. Ah. So that's what he spent most of his career doing. So, yeah, he's a pretty infamous uh, pulp writer from that Jules Verne era of British literature from my well, homeland, England. It, at least from my perspective, just from the little bit of research that I've done on this, it seems like the the director, was it Avi Nesser, I believe is his name? Um, yeah, did an, a couple... Um, he's an Israeli I, director. He did he's a Michael Bean movie, uh, which I can't remember the name of whatsoever, in the uh, early 90s. Did a couple string of early 90s hits. I guess I could cheat and pull up the old computer, but... Did he do Time Bomb? Is it Yes, it is. He, it's Time Bomb. He did Time Bomb with Michael Bean. <laughs> What a reference. Yeah, um, I saw his name in the opening credits, and it's so bizarre that that's what came to mind. Of, oh, he did that famous Michael Bean movie, Time Bomb. Everybody saw that, right? 
Well, like with the story and the way it originally was presented and in the the novel, and it's more of like a it's like a Conan type story. It's a sword uh, picture. Well, it's a, like an adventure it, picture. It's a it's a dual property because it's a Mad Max world. It's after a nuclear war has happened. All of a sudden, though, not in the book, though. Yeah, we've reverted back to a uh, knight's sword and sorcery. What's that movie we were talking about the other day before we recorded the f- first part of the show? The Neil Marshall movie oh um god it depends on which one uh the um, only one that has swords in it with the only he did a couple he did like um one with one malcolm with michael, mcdowell michael fassbinder for god's sakes um and it was about sword and sorcery stuff i can't remember what the hell the name was valkyrie maybe was the name of that one i, can't I think remember. i have the, the wrong director then it's not neil marshall it's it neil. might be He's done a few, I mean, but he did, like, um, Doomsday and The Descent. Yeah, Doomsday, that's the fucking movie. Oh, I wouldn't call it, well, I mean, yeah, it's a post-apocalyptic Well, the world has ended somewhat, and they've gone back to sword and sorcery and have that whole, you know, Knights, Malcolm McDowell part. That's the confusing part for for this movie for me, is for what the original intended literature was on it, they went wildly off. Because I'm assuming this was an Israeli-American co-production, and it feels like an Italian Mad Max ripoff? It's filmed in Rome, and is the whole staff and crew is Italian, except Avi and the actors. So it's completely... Like Israeli money, Italian produced, and American acted all mixed into one thing. I believe at the time this was the fifth movie made on the fifth. Uh, there's six in total, I think, but I think this was the fifth movie made on the She franchise. And the sixth one obviously came out after 1984. But all yes. of this vary in what they're fucking about. Yeah, because, I mean, it's it's an old world type story and they decide to make it a post-apocalyptic story, which is interesting enough to see like, you know, burned out cars and people running around in loincloths and swords and stuff like that. And, but also see all this pop culture material laid about. I really like that aspect of it. Yeah. It kind of started almost like at the very beginning, like Richard Stanley, that it had this almost consumeristic feeling like they're selling cornflakes and perfume at these open markets and the characters are all kind of, ignorant of what society and culture is and just roaming kind of free and then it completely changes pace into this weird almost feminist I don't even want to say it's like a feminist plot yeah because she is a ruler Sandalmer but she's a god yeah she's she's a a god she has no power and she's worshipped as a god and what's even more baffling is they encounter two other people that have what I would say are godlike powers one guy just has a fucking bridge he hangs out on the other guy or whatever his name is what was his name well there you go there's was Gord- it Gordon, Gordan, or something like that. Godan, Godan. There yeah, you there, go. There's Godan, who is actually worshipped as a god. But then there's a guy that just is like a bridge keeper that has like super fucking powers and can regenerate himself and has more powers than this <laughs> god. Like she has That's a so vast kingdom. That's my favorite fucking part of the movie. Are you crazy? <laughs> now we're gonna yell at each other because that was the best part. I love it. So weird. He it sings the no Green sense. Acres theme. I loved it. Like it's, it was. Great. Every okay, we'll we'll go get to this character, I guess, later on. But yeah, my well, comparison is he even had more powers than she. Like she just has like three or four Xena-like chicks and horses, and the two lead characters are Tom and Dick, and they lose their sister. I don't know if they're brothers, but they lose. Tom loses his sister, and him and Dick have to go 
find her from these sweet, because the villains you even see at the beginning of the movie look sweet. You've got football Nazis, because that's the bad guys. They're mm-hmm. fucking football Nazis. And why? Well, not all of them, because football. there's like a cowboy. And but then he's there's a Nazi. Like, well, they all have like different accoutrement to make them like terrifying. This is where None we're of them... like Italian Mad Max ripoff feel. What's What's even more interesting is watching this movie. Every There's single a magician character... for Christ's sake, wasn't there? What is there one is. Of the bad guys a magician? There was a magician bad guy. <laughs> but all of them have like Nazi imagery, but none of it's like correct. Like all of them have swastikas, but they're all like somebody that couldn't draw a swastika and they're different fucking angles. Uh, I don't know. I, Cause that's the thing. I mean, even in the road warrior Mad Max two, it's Nazi imagery. Cause that's bikers and being scary and, you know, hey, it's a swastika. I'm not supposed to like it, but it's football Nazis. It's not just like it's the future. They're football Nazis with swords, and then the lead guy has this sweet ass spiked dome helmet. His name was like Hector. The lead villain's <laughs> name was like Hector or, or Honcho or something. And you only know that if you have the subtitles on, and it'll say Hector says. Like that's the only reason I know his name's Hector. Well, like the, for the story in itself, because you pretty much indicate what the entire story is, which is they've got to get their sister back, and she allows herself to be kidnapped by them because she knows that this is part of her quest, as she's told by her oracle. But before we even get to that oracle thing, she has to face this trial, but we don't talk about it. She just shows up and is in this cave, and all these boxes are like Roman warriors and old-time knights, and then all of a sudden a robot Frankenstein that has um, the word mother written on his back, and she's just fighting these weird fucking robots and blows Frankenstein's head up. I think it was a reference. It's happening. I think it was like mother, like big mother, motherfucker. Like they were, you know. I guess. Why is it a robotic Frankenstein? Well, I mean, what, me. what would be more horrifying in the future to fight? You got a bunch of ninjas, and then you have a knight, and then you got to fight a robot Frankenstein. I mean, that's pretty fucking horrifying. But look at some of the movies that were coming out around this era, like Death Race 3000 was still a popular drive-in movie. Like, you've got a lot of weird subject matter, so why the fuck not? People are going to go and get stoned. They're going to get hopped up on goofballs, and they're going to go see She. They're going to check it out. I really don't know if they knew what they wanted to do. I think they wanted to, like... Like almost like go to different kingdoms and experience it, but it ends up being this piecemeal movie of almost like vignettes because they get kidnapped. They get kidnapped like about every 10 minutes and they fight their way out of this kidnapping and they're all these different weird like places that like okay let's see they go to a werewolf fuck party well before the the werewolf fuck party there is the um the trash compactor they get put in by the chainsaw lepers that's a the old star wars scene yeah it's weird because there's a bunch of lepers and ace bandages well they're mutants that's that's the thing they've been affected by the nuclear fallout because that's where like the odd black humor comes in the movie that somebody makes a reference of like hey don't pull me by the arm it'll come off and then they pull his arm off funny joke i did laugh at that one actually I told you not to pull my arm off. <laughs> I laughed at a lot of it. I, I loved the bridge scene. That was one of my favorite goddamn parts. Well, then after that, you do have you have the werewolf orgy, which is more of like a um, totally crapulent um, like event of people. Like the dude from uh, another guy from Stage Fright. He's you know what it reminded me of? Mm. It reminded me of uh, not Urban Cowboy, but the uh, Dustin Hoffman. 
Cowboy, not Cowboy movie. Dustin Hoffman plays Midnight the... Midnight Cowboy? Midnight Cowboy. I was like, yeah, I'm going to describe the whole plot. It, remi- it reminded me of the acid party scene toward the end of Midnight Cowboy, where they're all at the... He's dying, pretty much. Well, it reminded me of when Kirk and Spock get to the planet that's like ancient Greece, because that's what it looks like. It looks like ancient Greece, and they're all wearing, like, togas... And well, they all—they're like outfits. They're supposed to be like the upper echelon, and they're trying to keep this like piece of society. And then Midnight Cowboy, there he's at that like super ritzy party and tries acid and weed and gets fucked up, and everyone's making fun of him. Like it's a Warhol type crowd, pretty much. And that's the same thing I saw in this scene that like they Except put on their werewolves. Well, they like they put on music, but they don't know how to dance or really what music is. So they have these werewolves. Well, that's it's the stop bearing the lead. They're fucking werewolves. That's no reason. Well, it's got a reason. The world ended. There was a nuclear holocaust. There's mutants. There's werewolves. Werewolves done. Yeah. Well, they're like randomly worshiping Sandal fucking Bergman as a god, you know. So werewolves. It makes sense. Well, I can see how you would worship Sandal Bergman as like this Amazonian god, but fucking Bowery. She has no powers like even the werewolves have more powers than she does she does literally nothing she fights a robot frankenstein these guys turn into wolves like that's a power that's actually something you've got like the communist psychic and he has a power like that's something i don't understand why she conned a bunch of people into worshiping her as a god when she has no powers well, even after that, you go to Godan, which is like a cult of a dude whose eyes glow green. And They're like a communist. You no, know? he's like a Chairman Mao type guy. And like this whole thing is all like it's kind of an indictment of cults and cult like activity. And I, See, thought- I, I took it much more of as a political reference because he has all the posters of himself and they're like the big obey looking black imagery and it's just his face and his eyes constant like they drew the eyes into the poster so it would follow you around so i kind of took him as like it's a psychic dictator type guy yeah but like for me watching this movie again that when we get to the godan stuff and they're like they're vanquishing godan i checked the running time because it's like this has got to be getting close to being over right we're not even halfway there yet it's, it's like you've gone through ballerina werewolves You've gone through all these different things, and this is half of it. Before yeah. we even get to the the next section, where they ended up in some dude's greenhouse in plastic hammocks, where he's experimenting this, on them, or I don't know what this whole fucking scene is, where he starts gassing them. It makes this no movie is a foot long hot dog. You know, it's it's everything. It's a Chicago dog. It's got the pickle and the relish. It's got everything on it. It never what stops. What's weird about it, it's almost like it's episodes of a TV show, like a bad 80s TV show, like Manimal or something, because we just keep going to these different little 10 to 15 minute segments of weird worlds that she is is uh, like, visiting. And Well, they're going like, through the, like, they have to go to Nork or something. They have to go through the Valley of Nork, so they have to travel through all these mini kingdoms down the valley until they get to the hideout that these super Nazi football players are at. I.e. the guy in the contamination helmet. Yeah, it was a giant TV head contamination guy, which you only briefly see. That was a disappointment. I'll let you live this time. Oh, come on. Do not tell me that was not a leftover prop from Contamination, the Italian film, because that's exactly what that was. 
their main leaders running around the like the the weird metal helmets that you see in that film. My biggest annoyance, I think, is at this point of the movie where they say we're gonna send our armies to crush your kingdom while you travel back, but then it's like twelve guys at the bridge. <laughs> like oh, that's well, it. Here's the bridge. This is the bridge scene of the multiplying guy for literally no reason. Because, just, you know, movie. He had more powers than she did. Again, like... Annoyance. They keep, they keep, well, you cut any part of his body off, which this is where it gets annoying. He's just trying to chat. He wants to sing the Green Acres theme song. He wants to have friends. And this dude keeps cutting his fucking arm off, so he multiplies. And he doesn't even really do anything. He trips him a few times. He's friendly. He just You could have talked to him. I would have talked to him. I would have sang with him. Dude, I thought it was Sam Rockwell. That's oh, what it seems like to me. It seems like Sam Rockwell doing a little performance. At this point in time in his life, I think he was showing his bare ass to a pedophile in Clown House. That's uh, a little bit before that. Mm. Well, good. He was spared for a few more years. Um, yeah, and like at the end, it just becomes like a, a big battle scene like any fucking Conan movie for the most part. It's a it's a But mess. they have grenades and landmines, and then they finally get to like his weird little push pulley boat and they just leave while a love theme plays his brother (laughs) i don't they never like really tell you if the other guy is a brother he stays with the girl he's fallen in love with and they just leave and it ends and they go home and that's the end of the movie the end is the biggest cop out because it's like they don't even fuck like i'm not even (laughs) (laughs) so hooked up on this brother situation that it matters who's the brother who who gives a shit there's robot frankenstein ballerina werewolves i would i don't know would you go all the way if my sister got kidnapped through the ballerina werewolf fuck party and a psychic communist and and all this stuff and get put in a greenhouse and put in a bag and then have to fight a weird guy on a bridge would you do that for me i mean i think that's like a family oriented task so i feel that they have to be brothers I am not she who must be obeyed. I, I, I don't think I can do these things. Well, I was suggesting, you know, if you were Tom or Dick, because those are our leads, Tom or Dick. No Harry. And everybody is kind of, oh, I guess if, if it was shot in Italy, that makes sense. But it, the dubbing is real bad. But it's like they're all American. It's all like their original voices. But the dubbing is even worse than Italian. It doesn't even sound like it fits for the most part half the time. Yeah, I think it was filmed in Rome, but I could be wrong. Well, that would explain the the sound and why they didn't record sound. But I think she is kind of a hoot. This is kind of the best example of a bad movie, so bad it's good, because it is nonsensible. It makes literally no sense of what the fuck is happening. It's these little vignettes, but you can appreciate each little vignette for what it is. Just a very strange pilot almost for a sword and sorcery post-apocalyptic tv sitcom that's how i view it anyway so this might disappoint you but this again i would i would go see this in a theater well i I loaded this one in here because i i wanted to talk about the insanity of this film because it's not bad like that's the it's it's one of those movies that you finish if you can make it to the end of this it's long though it is very long it's like two hours it's a fucking horse dick of a movie and it's not like ari aster you know it's not a pleasant two hours it's mostly questioning well how does that connect like why are they fighting anything connect why well you want to make sense of it while you're watching it and i think that's the biggest frustration but 
as a, a finished product, I don't have a big problem with she. Like it's again, we keep encountering this on the list. Like ah, Hank didn't hate it. Nuts. What do we do? Well, I could put she in like a, a B movie fest marathon where you're just showing really you know so bad it's good movies. And I like when I first watched it, I was kind of half paying attention. I just thought it was just another post-apocalyptic film until we get to the weird robot Frankenstein. Then I perked up a little bit, and then it just kept getting robot weirder Frankenstein and got weirder, me. weirder. Yeah, I mean, that was my introduction to the strangeness in this film. You get your interest peaked and you want to see what's going on and you hopefully want more robot Frankenstein, but I don't think it doesn't really like fail. I mean, really it, you go to a werewolf fuck party. That's awesome. <laughs> like what more? Like it's that sweet as shit. There's a robot fuck part or a, a werewolf fuck party and a robot Frankenstein. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that's probably the joy of this film because it's almost, you can tell that, as it progressed as a film, they stopped giving a fuck more and more because See, I don't just, even take it, it as that. So lunatic. I think they were giving too much of a fuck. Like we got to finish this. We got to add in more like the werewolf fuck party. We got to make it crazier. Let's make it like ancient Greece. Let's uh, keep adding stuff in. Like it just got too many cooks in the kitchen syndrome. It was uh, a stop. Well, I see like, I, I would assume that they probably shot even like maybe that leopard footage last to where it's just like, eh, just, you know, cheese it up. Let's do some like hammy acting and let's do some hardcore comedy in this movie as well. Let's give them a little bit of everything and then no one can complain. Oh, I can still complain. I can very much complain about this film. I could but. choose things to complain about, but at the same time, I would, again, sit and watch She. I would show some... I'm going to not just show somebody. I will. I'm going to make somebody watch this one day. Oh, I feel sorry for your future wife. Oh, come on, let's not joke like that. Oh, future husband? Probably a dog or ferret. I mean, I avoid human interaction pretty quickly. A ferret. I was going to go down more of a I'm never going to, you know, be happy person joke, but... Oh, okay. You were going for a a more regular delivery. It's all right. Not every joke meets. That edible beer underwear one that's still been our best one yet. A good joke. I don't remember that joke. What? It was Edible like beer underwear. Two episodes. Oh wait. That, okay. Well, that, that, that explains it because I don't remember any episodes of this show ever. Then we should do another midsummer one since they're releasing a 19-hour version that oh, we can see in God. theater. I will be waiting for the Blu-ray on that one, folks. I will be waiting for that. Um, good news. So she Blu-ray overall, will not have any special features on it. That's why they're re-releasing it in theaters. I would say she is probably one of the top picks on the list tonight. I would see it in the theater. I, I would pay money again, a shiny shekel, and get a pretzel again. I enjoy the pretzels, and I would watch this in a giant motion picture theater. Uh, my biggest complaint is that it wasn't long enough. Fucking an hour and 15 minutes <laughs> is not long enough for you, for I Christ's wanted, sake. If anything, I would like a director's cut with an ending where they fuck. Uh, you seem so concerned about the fucking but they go through all of this they liked each other they wanted to be friends they just need to fuck they should fuck the other guy's gonna fuck they should all fuck I had to you see where like a, you sound like Marky Mark and fucking Boogie Nights it's my big dick I'm ready to fuck now who's it gonna be that's what I wanted I just wanted a big dick to fuck I wanted to see Sandal get fucked I don't know 
Okay, well, you can do the Death by Porn sub-series by yourself. I don't want, like, to see penetration. I just wanted to see, like, a romantic love scene while it faded, and then there was, like, a sunset and birds flying overhead. Carly so no Sutton. Dennis Reynolds? You, you don't want full penetration? I don't want to see the full penetration. I want the illusion of full penetration. I want the implication of full penetration. Oh, the implication. You can never go wrong with the implication. You really can go wrong with the implication. Most no, that's the, against the point because you're on a boat. There is no one to say that you're wrong. It's just the implication. It's in international waters. All things go. There are no laws out here. It's three miles out. It's not a hard thing. It's you just go three miles out. Oh, good God. All right. Next on the list is probably the most troublesome film of Ooh. the night. Yeah, this is, we're getting yeah, this one. Good territory okay. to go into. This is one of my favorite movies, and it's it's not because it's good. Uh, oh, no, 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 There's no. nothing re- rewarding or redeeming, but I say this is one of my favorite movies on the list because it's the only movie that I got an actual reaction. Like <laughs> while watching this movie multiple times, I had to go. Che- I gotta play. Holy that. shit! That's is the direction they went. All right. Am, am I too hopped up on goofballs? Maybe I need to play this back a little bit. And no, I was not too hopped up only in 1982 could you make a film with these kinds of jokes in it it's a movie called the party animal a 80s sex comedy that i had never heard of before until like maybe last year saw a trailer for it it was available on youtube i watched it and went jesus fucking christ we need to put this in the museum of tolerances examples of what shouldn't happen in america Ooh, it's rough. It's so rough in places of just... It's not even that there's, like, a... politically correct at all. Well, there's not even, like, a a part of the movie that's specifically bad. It just, from, like, the start to finish, is there's something pretty offensive throughout the entirety of the movie. The lead not, like, trauma offensive to where it's just, like, you know, hey, we're being edgy. No, I didn't think they were... thought they were being edgy. I think they were just, eh, we're being funny. I don't even think it's so much that. I kind of think that it's a collective of, like, let's just figure out the most fucking offensive shit that we can get away with. Because you're not even pushing buttons here. It's just specifically foul. They put the finger on the button and didn't let off the button the entire time. It's just hold that in. We're just going to keep punching your no-no spot the entire time. The lead character has one of the greatest names in film history, Pondo Sinatra. He, through, I think, every single scene of the movie, it's not just one. He has, like, nine different Confederate flag shirts that he consistently wears. He's from Alabama. Yeah, he shows up to the college on a turnip truck. The poster of this movie, I think, is my favorite out of all of everything that we're doing tonight. It's, like, a close-up of pondo sinatra and he's got a collar on the confederate flag short or shirt he's got on shorts and wrestling boots with a beer can and a leash and a collar and he's like miniature next to all these women's legs nothing that it alludes that he's going to get shrunken maybe in the movie or that i don't know it's going to be a lot more sexually appetizing than you actually get and for the most part what's funny is it's not even like sexually explicit they don't go out of their way to even be rapey there's scenes where he could take advantage Mm. of passed out women there's scenes where he could actually get away with rape and then make jokes about it but they have to explain what aphrodisiacs are and he makes a salve 
that he rubs on his skin that gets women to finally have sex with him. So oddly, they will do racially explicit jokes uh, beyond inappropriate sexual humor, but rape was a bit too much for them it's to tackle. It's pretty rapey. It's pretty uh, rapey, but he here. stops it's every rapey. time. Like, they tried to at least condone a point of, we're oh, not going to cross. Yeah, he, he didn't rape. So they have to have something redeemable because by the end of this movie, you got to feel bad for Pondo. That's I the whole point. I don't at all. I think he's a piece of shit the entire movie. And not um, only do you have Pondo as a great character, you got his best friend Studley and their helpful friend Elbow. And maybe the devil. I, I think that's a thread that we're, we're trying to like. Well, he he makes a notion that he's going to sell his soul to finally get some pussy because you know why they call it pussy. Oh, God. Do so you know why they call it pussy Alexander Nash? Because the old hound dog's going to eat it up. That's a direct quote from the movie. Uh, right before one of the worst scenes in the film. Yeah, probably the most uh, delightful high point is uh, the pussy segment. It's um, like Peach Marinin from Dust Till Dawn. Okay, so it's basically about this redneck dude who goes to college at 26 and tries to get laid. And here's where the problems start. Is It's not just like... There's one scene where he's explicitly rapey, where he's literally trying to spread a woman, woman's legs apart um, and just give it to me, come on, because, you know, as a man, he's owed sex. But he That's stops. just how these things are. You just, you're just owed sex. They stop him, though. he approaches, why won't you fuck me? Well, maybe a woman would want something to do with you if you weren't a fucking creep. He's a but creep. That's the point of them stopping him from doing it because you have to build some sort of, and I'm not saying it works successfully, but it's attempting to build some sort of appreciation for Pondo. He stops though. He's, He's a, a big creep. The entire movie. But he, they stop him from furthering his actions until he comes up with the salve and realizes it's not all it's cracked up to be. So I feel what I'm, what I'm explaining is I feel that their initial point was to kind of make this character and then give you the availability to see him as a good person, which does not work. It does not fly. None of it's successful. It's all very over the top, but they give you this, but he stops. And that's where I'm trying to, you know, explain here that they try to make Pondo Sinatra. I love his name. I love saying it almost redeemable. Like he didn't rape anyone though. He stopped. <laughs> he accidentally set a girl on fire and turned her into a He skeleton. shot a girl. He yeah, shoots her and he apologizes did. to his friend and go, oh, sorry. But that's where it gets problematic and the whole point, like you watch this entire movie and it's like, but their whole point is he didn't rape anyone, but he set a chick on fire. He burned someone to death. There is not one woman in this film, not one that is not completely treated as a sex object. Not one. Well, you know, they're all like they're all just there for his pleasure. The entire film. They give the Blair Witch Project credit as being before its time as the footage found genre. But this starts off way before its time as like a mock documentary about Pondo being a scumdag. 1950s. Well, it starts as like a fake documentary about people hating Pondo, that it's all of these women that have experienced him uh, on camera presumably, you know, telling how much they dislike him and how much of a creep he was while his best friend Studley tries to paint a decent picture of him and then Elbow tells the story. What does he learn? He learns of weight balance. He learns nothing. He fucking... He dies at the end of the movie. He develops an aphrodisiac that tricks women into fucking him finally. Woo! Party! 
I drugged you because he well, tried anything, to drug a woman at he, one point. If anything, he does learn something that, I mean, he becomes frustrated. He becomes tired of the infatuation, realizing that the unwarranted affection that he places on every woman as a sexual object eventually could lead up to your demise, which it does. So, I mean, there is sort of a heartwarming aspect to the story that this bad villain is being punished for his actions of misogyny against women. You could take it very intellectually. Bottom of the well, trying to dig something up out of this movie. You don't. You don't take that. You don't take no. that as an actual resolution. No, I'm supposed to think he's funny, and this whole thing is funny. But he's punished. He... Fat chicks kill him. He gets crushed by fat oh. chicks because of his oh. sexual lewdness. Yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. I forgot about the the gay panic yeah, he's in punished. the film. Oh, I'm punished because a gay man well, no, no, that's not the ending. fat women want to fuck me. That's, that's not, horrible for him, isn't it? No, that's not the ending. He goes to see, he finally wants to fuck the dean, and he finds out that the dean has been replaced by a large African-American woman, where I still, he presumably gets laid, but her right. assistant... Well, her assistant, I think that was actually a woman, but her assistant wanted to have sex with him, so that's where your gay humor comes in. But the end of the movie is where he's at the laundromat, and three very large women come in and presumably fuck him to death, and then they show Elbow talking about, and that's how Bondo Sinatra died, and they show his grave, because he died. He had to learn the ultimate... Sacrifice. And the gay dude whips out a thing of KY jelly says, Well, I'm gonna fuck you in the ass. No, you ain't, because that's gonna hurt me. See, it's funny. It's funny. They're deep in I'm not behavior. saying it's funny. I'm saying that they tried to give vengeance. You know, we killed him in the end. Oh, yeah, we killed him in the end. We killed because him. Because he learned that really aren't that. The- Aren't that bad to begin with? A fat chick wants to fuck him, and it's the worst thing on earth. No, he learned that his misogyny cannot pay off. That's the whole point, because he finally, he's been judging people his entire life trying to get laid, and now everyone wants to fuck him, and it's not so nice. It's annoying. He doesn't want to be a sex object until he's finally fucked to death. And what about the scene? What about the scene when he goes to the um, all-black student union party? What about that? That's obviously a fighting social commentary in that scene. Well, it's not about social commentary. The point of the end of the movie is he gets fucked to death because he's become an object that he makes people out to be. He's a misogynist that only sees women as object, and then now he has finally become an aphrodisiac. He can't be unfuckable. You know, everyone's fucking him day, noon, and night, everywhere he goes. He's even in class. These chicks are trying to get that sweet dick, and he's tired of it. You know, he just wants to go home and listen to Leonard Skinner and have a couple Coors Lights, or maybe, maybe he looks like the type of guy that have a Coors banquet, a full flavor Coors, and he finally gets fucked to death, and it's because it's this whole thing David Baird wanted to make a social commentary, man. Oh, fuck off. (laughs) You can go on the Dave Rubin fucking Ben Shapiro show and like throw this load at them, because I ain't buying it. You don't think it's a political commentary? No, the humor in this movie is chicks, you want to fuck them, but they won't let you fuck them. Fuck them, bitches. Sex is fun. Black people get angry when you call them the N-word. Man, ain't it funny so when gay dudes want to fuck you? Isn't that funny? Because that's going to be, that'll make you well, gay. Okay, even making my reference uh, more funny, it's Coors Light humor. That's all it is. 
and, and that's majorly we did that spring break show we keep referencing shows that you can no longer find like hey remember that spring break episode we did you can't download anymore it was part of the old show this is the <laughs> worst of that genre though because all these movies yeah. had these aspects in them all it's of them just, do but and, this but, one's the worst what makes it the most cringy is that like every other character like the best friend Studley's like I know he's just a dick but I mean blow him give him a hand job just make it better but you want to know it's a woman and steadily says eh no big deal I'll get some more pussy somewhere else you want to know really what the icing on this cake is is that the actor that played Pondo Sinatra Matthew Cossie you know what he does for a living in 2019 what this gentleman does the guy that, that portrays this wonderful racist character no uh, other hmm Does he work for the NAACP? That would even be funnier. He has no other acting credits, but he has a doctoral degree and became the head of the film department at Trinity University in Dublin, Ireland. I hope he shows this film and says this is what you shouldn't be getting involved in. Yeah, I don't know if that discredits Trinity University as an illustrious, fantastic school or if it maybe gives it some spice. Like, would you like... Imagine getting that degree, though, and not knowing you know you going out into the world and looking up your professor and finding out that he's oh shit Sinatra is kind of a piece of shit because again like I mentioned with Attack of the Beast Creatures a whole great deal of people sat down and read this script and, and somebody was a gaffer and a boom guy and there was a cameraman and a catering crew there was a great deal of people that came to work every day to work on the party animal that blows my fucking mind that like that was a uh, what you doing honey i gotta go shoot the scene where a white guy walks into a all african-american room and calls him the n-word oh all right because it's funny it's funny right that's a joke that's that but that's the whole direction of the movie and my whole angle of trying to even make it funnier is you can look at it at this ridiculous sympathetic standpoint because he dies he suffers because he dies but your whole point is getting funny to death yeah, he suffers because three, and I, I mean, for uh, less cruel terms, large women fuck him to death. I don't want to say fat chick. That's infinite. No, I will say it because that is the character that they are playing in this film. Well, they, they are, are totally chick. being exploited for what they look like, and that's what they are considered to be in their fat chicks. Yeah, that's, that's the, what the like what we're the message they're sending with this film. This and is pure. Exploitation without being an exploitation film. Like, this is is entirely explicit. Nothing is subtle in it. But we are, we will say one thing about the soundtrack is fucking amazing, actually. It's got a very odd punk soundtrack. A lot of fucking buzzcocks play throughout the movie. It's, it's pretty pleasant. The, the soundtrack is amazing. And I will say this the, um, the sex shop scene where they explain, um, the, the Cold War between Russia and America and nuclear missiles with dildos is quite humorous to me. That should be quite humorous to everyone and is one of the biggest highlights of the movie. That that itself, it reminded me of the Mickey Rourke clip from Spun, where he's in the porn shop. <laughs> I haven't thought about that movie in 20 years. There's a reference for you guys. Go check out Spun, one hell of a movie. Eh, whatever. I'm not a big fan of it. I love Mickey Rourke and Debbie Harry, and you know what? Meth is entertaining. Meth heads are always entertaining. You don't even need a movie. Like, you can watch The Salt and Sea. You can watch Spun. But if you know anyone that does meth, go hang out with them for a full day and just watch them do shit. It's, yeah. it's wild. Do a bunch of meth and watch The Party Animal. 
Don't do meth. I don't recommend that. It's Watch people experience. do meth. This totally terrible, inappropriate, poorly written, race baiting, um, gay bashing, woman hating film. Enjoy. And you picked it for our precious show. Yes, because I wanted to punish you, Hank. The fucking head of the film department at Trinity University starred in this movie. <laughs> and people wonder why movies are fucking awful. movie on the list is probably it's not probably it most definitely is it's the most boring entry this is the one that you just want to claw your fucking eyes out while you're watching and it's a little movie from 1986 called underworld slash transmutations and Transmutations. when it was another charles band because charles band picked up the distribution rights for america and did not make his money back off of this but it's more commonly known as Underworld, which also, I, I, until I read the Wikipedia page, didn't know that the uh, British, I guess you'd call it techno band or house music band, Underworld, got their name from this because they did the music for it. Let's talk a little bit about Underworld, a script that Claude Parker wrote to get... <laughs> uh, I'd rather you? come up with like... Showing any, your hand, Hank. Any way to talk about something differently. Like this is the punishment film. This, this is, is the, the pain. This is where the yelling will start because I have a secret about this movie. It's not so much a secret as a confession. I tried to watch it three times and I was never successful. I've, I, I, I think I've seen it all in different increments. I don't know how to connect it. Uh, somebody steals a hooker. Uh, that like, is true. Uh, like Morlocks steal a hooker, and they're on crack. I think. Well, uh, that's basically the the sum of the story. And this was Clive Barker's entry into the film world, trying to like what you a know, poor do Stephen King thing. And he wrote a couple this of scripts was... for this director, George Pavlov. I think it's his name. Um, yeah, George he... Pavlov, aka the fucking Antichrist. Because if you've seen <laughs> Rawhead Rex, you're familiar with his just the haphazardly doesn't give a shit body. Rawhead Rex is actually better than this, though. I'll give it that. Rawhead Rex is a better film than this one because this film is just. And I, I yeah, I've say, actually seen Rawhead Rex from start to finish, so I can say I, it's more palatable. And, like, uh, to admit something, I will say that it also took me about three times to actually get through this because you find yourself drifting off the road because it is so boring. 
And I wouldn't say he's an incompetent director. I think he knows. I would. Writing. I think he knows. Well, I think he knows a lot of technical things. Hey, but I, look, really I know well. technical things. That doesn't mean shit. I could like something fairly it, he, well. It looks like a fucking anything. Duran Duran video. That's what it looks like. And that's You're what giving it, it too much credit. That doesn't even look that good. It doesn't look like Hungry Like the Wolf. It's not even that pleasant. <laughs> like the first 25 minutes of the movie, I have no fucking idea what's going on. I think they're at like they're at a mansion. And this guy's trying to it's get all in the slow mo. The uh, first like ten minutes are slow motion. It's just There's like no this, dialogue. like Seinfeld esque struggle of someone trying to pay their way into a, a building and they're not like no you got to get out you're not allowed in until they finally call security on this guy and then some weird white dudes show up. Well, I mean, the general idea of the story here is, and this was I would say it's Clive Barker's, um, it's his training wheels for doing a. Uh, cabal or night breed later because it's well, what's fucking ridiculous is is this being i don't know it's just funny to me that this and rawhead rex are, are you know straight from clive barker and he's responsible for these things coming into fruition and then he fucking does hellraiser so it's just baffling to watch this and not i don't know what just nothing clicks whatsoever and it's such a struggle to even try and sit and coherently get through this and you get into this whole point finally after like 20 30 minutes into the movie you're introduced your your lead maybe detective works for the mob they hire this guy mob, i think yeah, yeah I think he's, he's like, like a, a mafia like um he's like a fixer for the mob he's like dr yeah, house like a cleaner he's the wolf maybe i'm not sure they get yeah dr house and the wolf in two references very odd but yeah they hire this guy to fix problems essentially and he's some sort of artistic moody playboy and he's this weird ichabod crane nerdy looking thinning hair guy that is just not appropriate for for a sexy action lead and they just dropped the plot right there well this hooker got stolen we thought you'd be interested why well you like to fuck her so we thought you'd like to save her that's your whole driving premise from what i've got love with her hank do you not feel the love between them and their one scene together just like she everything breaks down to me to a basic level of fucking because i do not think love exists i don't think human beings are capable of loving one another they just want to fuck well like the the plot here is there is no plot a hooker got stolen plot um there's a bunch of people living in the sewers in london who were hooked on a drug call that was it I kept thinking there was, I think they're saying White Tower, but I kept I was, thinking they're saying White Nightmare or Night, White Mare. I thought I was, White Mare was a pretty cool name. Out of all the movies that we, uh, we we talked about tonight on the first part of the show, I guessed that this was going to have something to do with people being underground, and I was right. So for once, I got something mildly right, but I think it was White, it's either White Nightmare or White Mare. Yeah, or White Tower, maybe. I, I couldn't tell. Yeah, um, it's so we're dealing with something and we both have admitted it we found you found and we both viewed and watched on youtube and it's an awful transfer i mean i wouldn't i don't know what this was shot on but the way it looks it could have been copied nine times on video cassette until it made its way to youtube i don't think it's like it's only been ever available on vhs and laserdisc i don't think it ever made to, to dvd at all and overall like the story of these people living in the sewers who are addicted to this drug which has mutated them well it's like a brain enhancing drug too it's not just like crack a, it makes you smarter but the more you do it and but it enhances dreams, your, you know, dream. knowledge because that's all they keep talking about the dreams are you still dreaming 
Um, but it suggests to me that it like enhances your uh, you know uh, capability of smartness pretty much because one of the they, dudes who's a mutant is also like a doctor inexplicably. I, it's neither here nor there. It's it's a fucking crack drug that turns you into an albino mutant. It's whatever Michael Jackson was on in the eighties. And uh, well, I mean, and apparently this this uh, high class prostitute was the only person who has been immune to the side effects because she's hooked on it as well, and they want to figure out and find out why that. That makes so much sense to me because I I've been baffled as to, like because I, I like I said I, I watched this three times so three separate viewings and each time I made it a little bit longer but I still feel I missed some parts when I came back the next time and I've never been able to connect why they stole the hooker like. I don't know. We're just going to steal a hooker for mutant stuff. To put her in this chair in our neon sewer, because there's literally neon tubes in the sewer. That's one of the underlying themes of this night's or this week's show is it's all neon. Every movie has blue. This yeah. movie's so blue. Like, every shot is blue lighting. See, I don't feel that it's lit or shot very well, and I, I go with that with Rawhead Rex. I do not give, you know, I feel George Pavlov's a little bit incompetent. I, well, I think he probably had some some chops, and he's more of a music video style director who just knows how to put it in a smoke. Yeah, he he could be a stage guy. I mean, Clive Barker met all of his people, and all of his pals were stage guys, and they were all working in the the theater and cinema in England at the time, and experimental theater and doing some wild fun stuff. So, I mean, that makes sense. But at the same time, Rawhead Rex is universally accepted as just a fucking bad movie, and uh, Underworld. And this one's worse. Yeah, I give this is the first time in a decade of doing this show that I've not been able to finish something, and it wasn't even because it's specifically awful. It's not like, ah, oh, fuck this. You movie. just lose interest. You have to you yeah. start getting on the internet and fucking around and doing other stuff because you're just bored. Yeah, at one point I started reading how golf actually works. Like, what the fuck? Like, how did I get onto that? Like, any subject to get me off of this. The second time I tried to watch it, I ended up making dinner at like four in the morning. Like, you know what? I want pasta and garlic bread, and I think I'm going to get some fucking clams and do something else too i made it i had to go out i wanted to make a champagne butter sauce i had to go get ingredients to avoid watching underworld it was good i mean i make a good champagne butter sauce dude you should try it and it's this struggle between the leader of the mob the guy who is like the doctor who came up with the drug and because the mob leader is manufacturing it and this whole, like, intrigue story of what's going on in reality, almost nothing is going on. It's a very dense film noir, like, Sam Spade story, but it plays off like a really bad... You remember that Poltergeist uh, TV show, that awful psychic that had nothing to do with Poltergeist show? The Legacy. The Legacy. It feels and plays like a Poltergeist The Legacy episode, which oddly, I, I don't know why I'm going to say it, but I kind of like Poltergeist the Legacy. I would have liked it more if if Underworld was just Poltergeist the Legacy. <laughs> well, and like for everything to come to a head, it becomes a war between the mob and these underground junkies who have like just well, bumps mutants. on their face. Well, they yeah. just have bumps on their face, all of them. They're like the makeup is not very inspired. What don't they have like superhuman strength? They're stronger at least. Like one guy strength. gets lost in the dream and he becomes like a feral cat man almost, but he still just has bumps on his face. Um, but at the end, she's immune, but she's all of a sudden got psychic powers to where she can see your dreams and your nightmares. Isn't somebody a robot? Doesn't somebody like get their head blown up? No, because, um, she, um, she melts, uh, 
Indiana Jones's friend's face, the doctor who's come up with a drug because he's obsessed with her and blah, 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 blah. It makes no fucking sense. Then home Elliot. That is correct. Um, then home Elliot. This one is just, it's a lost cause. I had always heard about this movie for years, This the, the lost Clive Barker film, and it's not very good, but, I mean, you can see the effort and all this stuff, and I eventually see it, and just, like, I, oof, it's just so dry, so bland, and, like, uh, me and Hank were talking about this before we started recording, and um, it's just so, like, Clive Barker is about, like, perversity, in a way. He's a very perverse and the things he discussed about sex and drugs. The thing that makes Clive Barker unique with his way of showing perversion is he isn't exactly exploited. He's looking down on it. Yeah, he he shows it as an art form. He shows shows sensuality and... Yeah, sensuality and death and disdain and all these ugly things wrapped with something beautiful and and organic. And it's very unique the way that he, you know, because you can look at something that could be generally really offensive with Clive Barker and he can turn it to something almost beautiful as to where this lacks absolutely any fucking substance. There's nothing there. No, I mean, and like, I just don't think George Pavlov had like... Ingrid Pitt's in it, for Christ's sake. He knows anything about Clive Barker and his work. It's like he almost wanted to water everything that Clive Barker put in there down. Because, like, with Rawhead Rex, he turned it from a giant penis with teeth into... I mean, let's be honest. ...horse-headed demon thing. It's a big old dick man. That's what Rawhead Rex is. He's a big old cock monster. You know, that's really... You've you've read the short story. I've read the short story. He's a big old cock monster. Well, he's like... I mean, he's... And the only thing that can stop Rawhead Rex's womanhood and basically fertility and all these things and really he's just it's a statement for the male libido and the male's member as just the driving evil demonic force and when you get the movie it just ends up being about some goofy looking demon and you don't get any of that in there and it's the same thing I think with Underworld where it's just you don't get any of that Clive Barker bravado and it just they took the general concept of the story and just made this boring detective picture with people with boils on their face. It's just so dry, so British, so lame. It's the most boring film we saw tonight, definitely. It does have a very interesting Charles Bann-inspired movie poster, though. Did you see the movie poster? It's real goofball. I love it. This is one of my least favorite movie posters because none of it showed up in the movie. I mean, well... None of it. It's so goofy, though. I want something that, like, okay, well, you've got She. That looks like... You've got all the guys from Mad Max on the cover and then this heavy metal chick standing there. None of that showed up in the movie, so I'll give it that. Yeah, and just overall, like, Charles Band knew how to sell a picture. It's got a... Like a fucking putty-faced monster with sharp teeth who's an evil scientist who has a girl... Holding the girl in the glass bottle. Yeah, it's just this goofy-looking thing. I I like that poster. I was always intrigued by it. But the actual movie is just, like, the Pet Shop Boys, like, you know, home video to me. It's just overly lame. I did like the the score overall in the film. I will give it that for that early 80s techno-British vibe. I, I did enjoy the score. 
I did say it took me three days to watch this movie, despite previously stating we only had 15 minutes. So I just want to admit <laughs> my flub. It didn't take me three days. I tried to watch it three times in 15 minutes. Before we move on, I, I have a question I'd like to pose upon you. What would you say is your favorite Clive Barker movie? Like that he's been involved in or? Yeah, just something with his name on it. Okay, something with his name on I would say probably... You, I mean, you can't doubt the original Hellraiser, but I'd say the next on the list would probably have to be Candyman. Candyman's thick. That's a good one. Ooh, I think you started the show with a Candyman reference, too. It all ties together. That's very thick and spicy. Mine, weirdly, despite it being very, I wouldn't say poorly made, but very disconnected, is Lords of Illusion. Yeah, like, uh, the only problem I have with that film overall is... I don't like Scott Bakula, and that's just, see. I love Scott Bakula, but he I like him as an actor. I just think he was great as Harry Damore in that movie. I just thought it was a good miscasting. And despite it being a very brief short story and one novel with Pinhead, who's never actually called Pinhead, Harry's my favorite Clive Barker character, and seeing him on the screen with Justice would just be great because he's supposed to be covered in these crazy occult tattoos, and you only get like a Constantine type figure. I would say. Well, like, it's it's a mixture like of like Bogart and Constantine, but he's not so much a pessimist, and it's not like he is until the Hellbound or not the Hellbound Heart, the uh, the Scarlet Gospels. It's not like he sold his soul or anything or did anything too wicked. He's just a occult detective that works with this blind woman, and it's it's an interesting story. It's incredibly short. The novel, uh, the Scarlet Gospels by Clive Barker, I thought was wonderful. I don't think it ever be translated into a film whatsoever, but. Lord of Illusion, just I like the character. I love the magic. I love the play on if magic was real. Um, I just think it's a great movie. Out of all Clive Barker's done, Hellraiser's a mainstay. That's the obvious answer, but... I think Lord of Illusions has an excellent opening and an excellent ending, and then the in-between parts aren't so great at times. There's uh, short sequences throughout the movie, like the mass suicide and the collective all coming back to the ranch. That was really, really great. And then you've got kind of a watered-down detective story of, oh, he's actually using magic, and it's it's whatever. It is what it is. It's Lots very saxophone in the movie. Yeah, it's very mid '90s. It's got that 90210 feel to it. It's very blue lit. Uh, but yeah, that's my favorite Clive Barker movie. So that was Underworld, and it sucked. I'd say it sucked. I'd say it's it was the worst thing we watched. Pretty worst. Pretty the stinks, the pits, the old. Butt and sauce. mostly just because it's undefined. At least all the rest of these movies are crazy in one way, shape, or form or another. But it's like a poorly even, written detective story, which even just like Lords of Illusion, you mentioned that this was kind of early Nightbreed, so Cabal Nightbreed. Uh, it has both flavors to it because you've got this romantic detective story and the Sam Spade film noir idea to it and then you've got the underground mutant monsters and a lot of early bludgeoning Clive Barker ideas coming kind of to a headway and like I mentioned too you know they were all all these guys were working together in the theater in London together and had become acquainted I guess with all their ideas and I just molding things together. This is the end product of a lot of cooks in the kitchen. We use that term a lot, but a lot of people, a lot of hands involved in one thing, and it just is a fucking mess. It's a big, boring, dimly lit mess. What I've even said, the party animal, which I don't like as a film. I think it's a fucking awful film, and the jokes are bad. At least I got. It's to not even shot about well. it. 
at least I can complain about it. And the underworld, I can't even really complain about it. And it's just boring. I mean, that's, that's the worst crime a film can be is just bland and saccharine and just nothing. And that's what underworld is. It's nothing. Well, that's like, what was my whole running bit with the party animals, the whole defense of, but they do this with the character. They, they give you amends with the character. You can at least make a joke about the movie. You can at least complain about the movie. You can have a bit about the movie. It shouldn't be uncovered for any other reason than looking at things you shouldn't do like that behavior though this movie should be taken and given to high school classes like like when you're going into sex ed in the ninth grade they should take the party animal and give it to young boys and show them the movie from beginning to end and say this is not this is what you don't do this is the behavior you should completely avoid and then take it to the girls health class and show them the same thing to say this is you know avoid this just run away call the police on men like this and bear mace them that's what you do kick them in the dick and bear mace them and hope they just choke but that's that's what I I would do. <laughs> well, last yeah. movie. Are we down to one fucking movie? We're down to one almost, last one. You know, this was supposed to be punishment, and outside of one movie, I didn't really. I mean, and if that was punishment, it's kind of like an unexpected, unlubed pinky in the Astro and a blowjob. It wasn't that bad. I mean, it was it, it, it was boring. It wasn't like you know two fingers. That would have been like whoa, hey, you know, lube it up, spit on there. But pinky in the butt it wasn't that bad. Well, and the last film is also from 1986, and that is Star Crystal, and Star Crystal is special. It's such a special alien ripoff sort of film. Yeah, you know, you had said that it is a Star Wars ripoff initially, and then you, you melded it into a Star Wars alien ripoff, so I had a lot of expectations going into this, and it's a slow starter, and it's not very clear until... It's a slow finisher. Well, the finisher is worth it, but it doesn't make itself inherently clear what's happening until around, like, 35 minutes into the movie. Then it kicks in, okay, there's a big squiggly guy. There's, like, a big snot. A snot. Male-looking, glowing creature. It's a snotball. Uh, I, somebody sneezed, and they didn't cover their fucking nose, and this snotball became, you know, smart and <laughs> fucked some stuff. It's Jesus. It's a long story short. It's snotball Jesus. becomes Jesus. Not real. That's I mean, funny. okay. The way this goes is these dudes play football on Mars for goddamn ever, and they find a rock slash egg that hatches on their ship and hatches some alien, and the alien smothers them by cutting their oxygen off. And then we go to a space station for some reason to introduce them. It's a whole new crew. Well, they tell you, you gotta, they got to get the ship and discuss why it happened. So there's got to be a big meeting with the head honchos the and a smoking Just do it with the first crew. Why do you need to go back to a space station and have an inquiry and then have the space station blow up so a new crew can get on the ship to run That's too much like Alien. You got to change it up. Yes, because all these story points matter to the characters. Um, but um, did you notice when on the space station, when they're opening the bay doors... The uh, design. I'm pretty sure most of it's a Millennium Falcon from Star Wars. They fucking glued Millennium Falcons to these doors to make them look futuristic. And all I see is two Millennium Falcons on like glued to plywood, spray painted fucking gray. It looks like a prop from that 70s show that you'd see in Foreman's basement. Like like right off the bat. Like that's a Millennium Falcon. I guess they didn't think anyone would notice. I'm not sure. We noticed. We fucking saw it. We saw it fucking 30 years later, man. (laughs) 
but um we get this new crew on and they all like there's one dude who's running diagnosis on the computer and he's a terrible actor and then he's got kind of a love interest and she's a terrible actress and literally everyone on the spaceship is a terrible actor and billy was kind of good through all the terrible production design because apparently the engine is a couple of neon tubes inside of other tubes that glow red i don't know it's it's terrible they only glow if they're working and if you touch them with the glow stick the other glowing red stick then then it'll make them turn back on apparently Um, you know it's on though the alien slowly starts killing people um and the people are always really freaked out when they see the alien, they fight Something's back. going wrong, and all we know is it's got something to do with this goo. Goo that we keep putting our hands in over and over again. Not like a finger or a pinky, but there is, like, full palm hands into the goo. Just rub the goo around, and then people get attacked, and then we get more bad production design with the, um, the like, the tracking device in the film is just, like, some... Little. Everything is so loud in the future, like, and they all have to crawl through tiny tunnels. Like they took that aspect from Alien of like, hey, when Tom Skerritt crawled through the tunnel, that was kind of scary. So tunnels, the whole spaceship, it's a tunnel. Everything's like two feet tall, and they have to scoot through these little tunnels from room to room to room. And then we heck- go, we go for the typical haunted house on a spaceship type thing, where you know they keep finding bodies, and what's this alien doing? And they keep um, mentioning that it's, like, an escape craft, that it's not big enough to do, like, interstellar travel, but it's got, like, 30 rooms. They keep going to new rooms. Every It's not that big. We can't get through time and space, but here's another goddamn room. Why? Why are there so many rooms? I have no idea what the fuck is going on most of this This is not a wholesome design. It's massive. I mean, this ship seems okay. boxy. The entire thing is incredibly boxy. We're eventually left with two people uh, because everybody else has had all the life energy sucked out with the the snail's crystal. I don't know how exactly he's killing people with his tentacles or whatever the fuck is going on. but they never once they show him what's great is the cover of this movie is or the, the the box art is this giant like spiked mouth monster and spaceships going behind him into space and it's like this snot ball with tentacles but once they uncover the snot ball he never has said tentacles it again looks like a lowly worm for christ's sakes it looks um, like charlie sheen after he's completely shaved and spent too much time at the beach it's just a little weird pink ball this glowing snail creature with big googly eyes on it Um, but he again cuts the oxygen off and almost kills these people but he lets them live i wonder what's going on the entire time we've seen snotball like going through the computers and looking at different things throughout history and all these different things and all of a sudden we find out that the alien is capable of intelligence and he's decided not to kill them because he's gone through human history and seen all the things that humans are capable of. And I didn't want to kill those people, but that well, one he read the Bible. It at me. That's and then he reads the Bible. That's where we get to the really interesting thing about this movie is he reads the fucking Bible and learns mercy through the teachings of Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, it's an alien ripoff film that is also a religious allegory. And then he becomes space Jesus by sacrificing himself for the betterment of humankind so these two people can eventually (laughs) go fuck. That's the point of this whole show. Finally, at the end of the show, we've gotten to a movie where two people probably go fuck. 
<laughs> I'm assuming they had nothing else to do in that spaceship. What the fuck else would happen? I mean, they still have like 8,000 days left to get back to Earth. They don't have a snot ball to play cards with anymore, so they got to fuck. I mean, we finally got to the dirty, gritty fucking. Well, I mean, when they become friends with the snot ball, um, he's doing all the, like, levitating stuff and helping him out and helping him work on the ship because he wants to work together with him and shit. And when you get to the part in this film where you find out where it's going, where he basically starts talking... It became macking me. ...of Jesus Christ is when you have your oh shit moment. What the fuck is going on in this movie? Why am I watching a religious alien film? I watched Star Crystal twice just because of that. I had to go back and just double check that I was watching a religious alien knockoff film. Because even aliens can learn sympathy and, you know, tolerance from the teachings of Jesus Christ our Lord. Specifically because of Jesus. That's what it turns out. He was just going spaceship to spaceship trying to get people to join his space cult. (laughs) This is like the the, the pre-movie. This is how Scientology got started. This is the backstory. Xenu went around from spaceship to spaceship. I will say this about Star Crystal. I actually really enjoy this film because it is fucking god-awful. It's a terrible film um, with a terrible message and terrible writing. But goddamn, if it's not funny and adorable at times. Because yeah, I'm not kidding. I watched adorable. it twice. The uh, the production design is adorable. The acting is adorable. It's everybody just, hey, let's get together and make a movie, and that's what they did. And they turned out a. What I've been talking about the whole time. Picture. Like forty five people got together and said, "Let's play you. fucking football on Mars." That's what we're gonna do, and it was good. I mean, it's not good. It's not good anyway. It's a terrible movie, but it is good. It's enjoyable for being a terrible film. I mean, I'm using it like as a loose word, like cool, like that's hip, buddy. It's good. You could. I watched it twice. It was so nice. I watched it twice, and I just wanted to see if I'd miss something. My my second watch and in, in the 15 minutes that we took to do all six of these movies. Well, it's it's a good purveyor of what I like to call the what the fuck moment in films. And when you get good what the fuck moments in a movie like this or Silent Night Deadly Night Five, when the uh, Dickless Ken Large Plastic Man Tries to rape Some woman And calls her Mommy Extra Same thing When you go to Such Great Weird Places With a movie You've made Star Crystal Goes to that place Specifically By Horror House On Highway 5 Weird Religious Shit About an hour Into the film this, I'm assuming this was their intention the entire time was to make a religious film. I, I could be completely wrong about that, but that's the way well, I see it. I mean, that seems like the obvious choice here because it wouldn't be so prominent because he goes through, uh, what is it, Gar? Gar. Yeah, yes. Gar goes through. Gar the and Gore. Yeah, he looks at separate religions. You know, he looks at Judaism, he looks at Buddhism, and he chooses to read about Christianity. And then he gives the space crew craft two different Bible quotes to explain why he's doing what he's doing, that he was only killing out of fear and that you shouldn't judge somebody that you hate. And it's just, I think that's the whole overtone of let's not judge, you know, let's ye be judged and love everyone in case they're a weird snotball because they'll kill you. 
Isn't the snot ball fucking adorable, though? Isn't it an adorable special effect? Once you see him and he's up close, he's fine, but they have these weird little pulsating side bits, and it just looks like somebody sneezed on a car window and haven't wiped it off yet. (laughs) And they've just stuck their, like, their fucking car headlights behind it to make it glow. I don't know. This is a handmade movie, and I love it. It was filmed entirely in space, this says the credits. Oh, yes. The the credits, um... Hmm. I don't know if that's 100% true or not. I'm going to say it is. They wouldn't lie. But the ending theme song to this movie was the biggest gem. No one oh, yes. <laughs> Was it the crystal of our heart or something like that? It was the name of the song. I can't it's specifically remember. By the chick that did the voice, I think, for Daphne from the original Scooby-Doo. Oh, it might have been Velma. It's Daphne or Velma, one of the two. There's a crystal in your heart. I can't remember the. It's but rough. It's, I would have it, memorized it, but it's rough. It's like rivaling My Bloody Valentine for greatest in credits music. Uh, My Bloody Valentine takes the cake there. At least you've got a cool folk theme song that you can really strum it out to. Mm. Or like um, um, Never Too Young to Die with John Stamos, where they just talk about the plot of the film with a theme song. My least favorite beach boy, John Stamos. He's everyone's favorite beach boy. I kind of wish he had died in a diving accident in 1983. No. That's how Dennis Wilson died. That was the joke. We wouldn't have gotten Uncle Jesse. Who? Oh, yeah, Full House. Sorry. I hate Full House. I can't, yeah, I, I, can't, I, I, I commonly can't remember specifically and only John Samos as my least favorite beach boy that should have died in a diving accident in 1983. So I guess the whole point of this entire show was uh, us to argue and get really spicy, and I liked pretty much everything. I, a Star Crystal is on my list of movies that I would go see in a theater. I liked Star Crystal. I have no... Like, Underworld kind of sucked, but it's not like, man, fuck you, Nash, you made me... Well. Like, I, I tried. I gave it the college try. Well, we will go uh, next time, and we'll just find stuff from the last five years that was shot totally on green screen, and, you know, we'll watch some Storm movies that... Oh, no. My old lady has made me watch, like, fucking Metal Tornado and all this That's garbage. Unfair. Yeah, well, that's my life. I get punished, so you for therefore you get punished as well. We are uncovering gems here. We're we're delivering solid golden oldies for the people to find. Something from two thousand and five. That's just boring. There's nothing. Have you ever seen Lorenzo Lamas fight a CGI shark? It's not pretty. I weirdly haven't. I've seen a lot of stuff, but I haven't seen that. And that man do not give a fuck anymore. He doesn't even try. He shows up and accepts the check and stands there and says, okay. I just, for the first time two days ago, saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I've not seen the first one, but I saw part two. So if that says anything where I'm at in standings with modern movies, I'm not doing too good. Go behind there, Hank. Yeah, uh, I saw Gore Part 2 recently for the first time. That's why we talked about it on the show. I'm not watching a lot of good quote-unquote movies. I'm watching Mindhunter still. (laughs) That's what I'm doing. We all come back to the very beginning with Mindhunter, which in the 24 hours it's taken for us to do this show, I have uh, have not seen yet. Still not seen Mindhunter. Uh, I would not press it on you. Ever would I press that on you. Do you know what I have seen? Star Crystal. I've seen Star Crystal. Uh, I've seen Attack of the Beast People. I've seen The Party Animals. 
beast, beast creatures. Yeah, they're well. I think that's unfair because they seem like people. Again, call it Attack of the Beast puppets. I I feel that they deserve humanity because they obviously worship a god and have some sort of society. I mean, they're they're beast people. Where are who are we to say that they are not people? See, that's where I mean, what? Oh, they're, they're organized by religion because that makes you you know well, what, the most you- taller people on earth. Ask Gar. Are you going to tell them that they can't drink from the same water fountain as you if a beast creature came up and wanted to take their child to a milkshake stand that you were they going to? A milkshake stand. That's where people go. They go <laughs> I don't to know these... why you live in the 1950s still. I live in a place, well, that's where you live because I'm acceptant of the beast creatures and you wouldn't, you know, let them sit in the same balcony with you at the movie theater. You are treading on incredibly thin ice right now, Hank. You are a bigot against beast people. I have no thin ice. I'm a, a person of interest in the beast people united front. Well, the beast creatures are only 30% of the population, but they commit 50% of the crime, Hank. <laughs> they, they do, unfortunately, turn most of America's water sources into acid. It is a bit of a problem, but the beast people, they, they, it's part of their coequal nature. They were here first. I'm dog whistling. Hang on. <laughs> figure this out. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. You Just go on your shows, Hank. Go on Dave Rubin and talk about the party animal all you want. I know what kind of person you are now. I'm just saying that the party animal has a triumphant ending with evil being punished. Pondo dies. That's a good thing. <laughs> uh, I think don't he, you, he didn't suffer, though, Hank. He just didn't suffer. But don't you think that's a certain punishable action? You know, that, that's the, the capital thing to do. If you don't agree with someone, you got to kill them. That's what we do in America. If, if they don't like having sex, fat women have to crush them. You know, that's okay. it. Uh, I don't call getting fucked by a fat chick capital punishment. I call that marriage. But what if you don't want to have sex with a fat chick? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> it could be a life sentence to someone else. What it about is a life Pondo? sentence, Hank. It is a life sentence. But what if it results in your death? What are you being punished? It currently is, <laughs> asshole. Stop bringing these things up. <laughs> Oh God, I'm gonna die. This well, I say that we'll do it for the, the show. End this of the week. show. The asterisk is probably the end of a marriage. The bottle's empty. Death by DVD is recorded in front of a dead studio audience. Death by DVD is broadcast from on top of the Blue Crystal Sunshine Mountain in any town USA with transmitters on top of the Empire State Building. Portions of today's programming have been mechanically reproduced. The management and the staff wish you a pleasant good night and good morning.